but I just was looking. I was just looking. I don't know. Adam Curry, John C. Devorah. It's Sunday, November 27th, 2011. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 360. This is No Agenda. From a chilly and windy Camp Mofo in Austin, the capital of the Lone Star State. In the morning, I am the underprivileged belligerent known as Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where it's just another Sunday after Thanksgiving, and it's miserable. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. <laughs> miserable up there? Is it really bad? It's not too bad. It's to come down from Black Friday. Uh, did you get pepper sprayed at the mall? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, one. that could have happened to John easily. He'd just be walking around in his what Crocs. What the heck? <laughs> hey, man. Hey, don't, don't pepper spray me, bro. That's not okay, man. Don't do that, man. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, my soundproofing is not as good as I thought it was. I still have echo in here. You have echo? Yeah. And I got like a whole bunch of those foam things everywhere, and I still got echo. Oh, you should use egg cartons. No, the foam is really good. It's just I don't I don't think yeah, I have but enough. It doesn't of them. add that low rent look of egg cartons. <laughs> True. It doesn't have that Gitmo look to it. <laughs> is that what you have in the in the Buzzkill bunker? You got egg cartons? I've I've got I've got a collection of them. I haven't put them up yet. I kind of like the ambience. I got the window open, the fans going. Is it Walls warm? Walls are painted with a with a gloss finish so it echoes nicely. Is it warm? Is it warm up there? Uh, it's not. It's not warm. No, I think it's uh, like sixty. Oh, they're predicting an overnight frost in uh, in uh, Austin tonight. Oh, you get to experience one of your early frosts in Austin. Yeah, so it gets colder down there than it does in the San Francisco Bay Area. Oh man, yeah, and which last, makes no sense to me. Well, it's the desert, I guess. Last night we had a forty mile an hour wind gust. We had a huge. Th- the gutters are rattling. Yes. <laughs> Like what? Mickey keeps saying, "You gypped me, man." I thought we were going to like some warm place. <laughs> this is her new word. What are we she loves doing it. in this hellhole? She loves it. She loves to say, "I gypped her." <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. I I guess I gypped myself too. I'm like, holy moly, it gets cold here. Should I bring the chili pepper plant in? Because that'll freeze to death, won't it? Or can that survive? I don't know. To be, I never, I've never managed to grow a chili. Plant. Oh, so because there's just so prevalent around here that I never thought of growing one myself. Oh wow! Well, I've got. Uh, I would think that that they probably could handle it, but I, you know, it's in a pot, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, of course you bring it in. Yeah, that's what I thought. I just bring it in, and the bougainville. I'll bring that in too. That'll freeze. I think. I don't know. Maybe. Mm. Anyway, in uh, in the morning to you there, uh, Jean-Claude. And in the morning to you, Adam, and in the morning to all the ships at sea and boots on the ground that listen to the No Agenda show on a uh, biweekly basis. Also, the feet in the air that probably never listen. <laughs> and in the morning to all of our human resources, uh, those who have shown up today in the chat room at noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. Actually, we, we seem to have a reasonable quorum uh, who have uh, gathered round uh, to talk turkey with us post this turkey uh, holiday and uh, uh, I think we both were working on the same news item which of course is a perfect time to slip this in not only into the news stream well, to, to basically keep it out of the news stream because everyone's too busy with Black Friday Cyber Monday get your pepper spray at the mall that uh, no one is paying attention to what's going to happen Monday in the Senate and I think both you and I were both working on this uh, this bill 
that uh, is going to be voted on, apparently, Monday, uh, Senate Bill 112, I believe it is. This is the, uh, the bill, and this has been passed around the interwebs here and there, uh, that essentially will do exactly what Newt Gingrich was talking about in the, at the opening of the previous presidential debate, is create a, uh, a, separate, uh, a separate system in these United States of Gitmo Nation where a um, military judge will determine if you are if you if you deserve the status of an unprivileged enemy belligerent, if so, then uh, they can pick you up and troops will come to your home and knock on your door and uh, take you away and lock you up. Now, which bill are you talking about? What number? I believe it's uh, Senate Bill 112. I can double check. Well, it's going along. It's been parallel with uh, Senate I'm, Bill 186. One, yeah, 1867. Okay, I'm sorry. 1867. You are correct. 1867. And uh, so I'm looking at this. Go ahead. I like the fact that it's McCain, yeah. douchebag McCain, our friend. Let's uh, hit him right now. Douchebag. A total dork. With, with Levin, and, uh, who's a, dem- a Democrat, because they have to, you know, it's funny. They always bicker about all this diff- these different kinds of things. But when it comes down to cracking down on the American public, hey, the we agree. and the Republicans are lockstep. <laughs> we agree. This is great. We agree on something. Finally, we agree on locking up American citizens. Is this not exactly the same type of legislation they had when they locked up the Japanese Americans? Isn't this exactly the same no, thing? I this is I, no. This is much more onerous. <laughs> it's worse. That was something else. That was a that was a, that was illegal too. But it was done different. It was a different stuff. This basically allows the military. First, you got to change a bunch of laws posse comitatus you know we essentially in our country we cannot allow the military to police the public it's it's, 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 so a, you have to it's a law since law it's a law since like 1880 isn't it that this posse comitatus means the american military may not be used against the american citizens like in egypt and stuff right and the, by the way you wonder why people want to uh, Support the second. Maybe the the the, the liberals out there who uh, are against uh, gun ownership should uh, follow this a little more closely and understand the reasons for these uh, for the Second Amendment. The judge is coming. I got the judge. This is why I. This is why I moved to Texas, man. For this very for this very <laughs> reason. Your last stand. That's right. That's the Alamo here. <laughs> the <laughs> Camp Alamo Mofo. Not too far away from San Antonio. As a Davey matter of fact. Curry here. So, you, while you're down there, you should take a drive and go look at the Alamo. It's very funny. I'm sure there's going to be Border Patrol there. I don't want to go there. I was like, this is bad news here. The Border Patrol at the Alamo. <laughs> the Alamo, yeah, that's where they set it up. So, subtitle D, detainee matters. Uh, now, I, of course, what I usually do is I go through these bills and see what they, what other things they refer to. So, how did this happen? Because, you know, you, you they are not actually changing the Posse Comitatus uh, Act. I, I figured out how this worked. So section 131031, uh, affirmation of authority of the armed forces of the United States to detain covered persons pursuant to the authorization for use of military force. So this is the uh, portion of the bill that says a person who was a part of or substantially supported al-Qaeda, the Taliban, or associated forces, which I think is the no agenda uh, audience. I think we can be deemed as associated forces. Uh, if you are engaged in hostilities against the United States or its coalition partners, including any person, any person who has committed a belligerent act. What does that mean, belligerent act? 
Well, let's look up the definition of belligerent first. Let's just uh, do what we always do. The book of knowledge. Belligerent. Uh, Here we go. Uh, Adjective. Hostile and aggressive. A bull-necked, belligerent old man. (laughs) Hey, you you better lock your window. (laughs) What? uh, Hostile. Get off my lawn. That's the belligerent right there. That is the definition. Under arrest. Bull-necked, belligerent old man. That's the first definition. Engaged in a war of conflict as recognized by international law. Noun, a nation or person engaged in war or conflict as recognized by international law. Then we have derivatives belligerently. Uh, origin late 16th century from Latin belligerent. Waging war from the verb belligerare from bellum, which is war. So basically, if you're just doing war talk... Or if you have directly supported such hostilities in aid of such enemy forces. And, I, and what is, I, I guess they imply support being money, but it could just be holding up a foam finger saying, go, go, you're good. Yeah, it could be a go foam for finger. Go, go for gold. Go for gold. The way they do things, that's what it will be. This is where you don't want to arrest. I, I have a different take on this whole thing when you're. Finish with your little elaboration here. I want to. Okay, let me just uh, go through how this actually came to be and how it can actually happen. Uh, so uh, here, detention under the law of war without trial until the end of the hostilities authorized by the authorization for use of military force. So what they're doing is they're referring back to um, a previous document, which I shall grab for you now. Hold on a second. Uh, we have to go back to public law 107-40 from September 18th, 2001. This is just one week after uh, 9-11. Authorization for the use of United States Armed Forces. So this has been on the books and renewed by every single, uh, by both Presidents Bush and, uh, and of course, Obama. The President is authorized to use all necessary and appropriate force against those nations, organizations, or persons he determines planned, authorized, committed, or aided the terrorist attacks that occurred on September 11th or harbored such organizations or persons in order to prevent any future acts, blah, blah, blah. A specific statutory authorization consistent with Section 8A1 of the War Powers Resolution. The Congress declares this section is intended to constitute specific statutory authorization within the meaning of Section 5B of the War Powers Resolution. So, and this is all in the show notes, by the way, 360.nashownotes.com. Then we go to the U.S. War Powers Resolution 50U United States Code 1541-1548. And here I have highlighted, well, this is basically telling you how Congress and the Senate, uh, it has special rules for how uh, um, new executive powers are to be passed, which, of course, is exactly what's taking place. And uh, which which happens, so they've had these closed-door Senate committees and House committees, which not publicized, not on C-SPAN, no one's talked about it, and then all of a sudden there's a vote on Monday. Of course, everyone's still drunk, and it's Cyber Monday. we got no time. We're going to be shopping. The whole world is going to be in front of their computer shopping, not watching C-SPAN. Yeah, the nerve C-SPAN. of these guys to do this on our shopping day. Yeah, that is, uh, that's belligerent right that's there. That's un-American. It's abhorrent, I tell you. So then specifically... Uh, Section 1036, Procedures for Status Determinations. This is what's important. This is from the bill that will be voted on on Cyber Monday. How do we determine if you are to receive your Miranda rights and essentially be prosecuted the way the law of the land is supposed to work in the United States? Or 
uh, how this will take place um, if Newt Gingrich is president and he says, you know what, I I think you're a bad guy. I'm going to go take care of you. Uh, Here's how it works. One, a military judge shall preside at the proceedings for the determination of status of an unprivileged enemy belligerent. So some judge from the military is going to sit there and say, you know, you seem to be a bull-necked old man. You are now an unprivileged enemy belligerent. Well, let's assume it'd be some hippie protest or some unreconstructed hippie protester, probably my age, <laughs> uh, shaking his fist at the at everything. You know, you're shaking his fist at every you're, bird you're, on a you're, wire. Yeah, you're supporting uh, terrorism. There you go. Well, those birds on a wire. Two, an unprivileged enemy belligerent may, at the election of the belligerent, be represented by military counsel at proce- so JAG. I guess we get that guy from JAG to show up. At proceedings for the... Maybe I could get Demi Moore. She was hot in... uh, Wasn't that Officer and Gentleman? Wasn't she... uh, Wasn't she in that? Continue. Be represented by military council proceedings for the determination of status of belligerent. The Secretary of Defense shall submit to the appropriate committees of Congress a report on any modification of the procedures submitted under this section. The report on any such modification shall so shall, shall be so submitted not later than 60 days before the date on which such modification goes into effect. So essentially, if they want to change these rules, they just send a little note to Congress. Hey, we're changing the rules. And uh, my take is um, set up. It's, uh, this has been uh, this has been going on since 9-11 with the War Powers Resolution. Um uh, with uh, and using the war powers resolution to create these executive powers and our um constitutional scholar president Barack Obama is uh, happy about it. Oh yeah, he doesn't care. And of course we can use drones uh, to uh, prosecute to prosecute you well, because the drones will be legalized. So yeah. um your take. play uh I want to take this in slight I think this is somewhat different. Okay. Uh Christine Lagarde ah, your buddy. Yes. Uh, was on 60 Minutes, uh, not this Sunday, last Sunday. Mm-hmm. And she, she was interesting. By the way, I want to put in the book of predictions oh, okay. that she will be the uh, Fra- France's first female prime minister or president. Uh, how about queen? Can we just make her queen? <laughs> <laughs> that would be better. She's already a queen. <laughs> so uh, anyway. Hey, bada bing, everybody. She was uh, uh, on yakking with uh, that woman that was beaten up in um, Egypt. Oh, uh, uh, play Lagarde on worst-case scenario. It is a very serious situation, unprecedented in many ways. What's the worst-case scenario? Stalled growth, high unemployment, uh, potential social unrest uh, as a result, and, uh, and financial markets in, in, in disarray. For many people around the world, for many Americans, it feels like they've been here before. Is this worse than 2008, the current crisis? Oh, yeah. You know, it's a continuum of 2008. Let's face it. It's the same process that is unfolding before our eyes. With the potential to be worse? I'm reasonably optimistic and sometimes desperately optimistic. And, and I want to be desperately optimistic. And I want to believe that countries will understand that they can actually change the, the course of, of things. And if you look at the U.S., what are you most worried about here? <laughs> Political bickering. So, uh, well, wait, she, so what, the way I heard that is we're going to be locking people up in FEMA camps. 
What I'm hearing, and I was, I got to this point from, uh, got back on my cycles book, and I'm not the only person that looks at these uh, cycles. In fact, uh, a lot of people do, and I'm sure government people do too. Sure they have to have looked at what happened in the 30s. I believe that they are anticipating a complete meltdown, and these laws are being passed for the purposes of trying to control what's going to be a huge mess. John, We've been talking, I've been saying this since 2008 on this show. Well, so have I. I mean, yeah. I've got it in the <laughs> I mean, book. Hello. But, this I, is but like... I'm saying that this thing is not, has got nothing to do with anything other than just controlling a, a, what's going to be a huge mess, and it'll be in the next two years. That's why they got to pass these laws under the, under the, car, under the uh, darkness of night. So, so will you then agree with me that this FEMA camp stuff, which has been talk of conspiracy uh, the FEMA theories camp thing forever, I'm a little skeptical about, although I will say that they would be handy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> convenient. <laughs> it would be convenient. I'm not on board with the FEMA camp thing because I think that this is bogus, but if somebody can actually document some of these camps, and I know you say they do, but every time I've seen... The, the last time I saw a documentation for a FEMA camp where they actually had pictures... I happen to have seen that facility in Slovenia, so it's bullcrap. And but I think that there's a, um, I mean, it doesn't, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff going on, and a lot of it has to do with these border patrol guys up in the state yeah. of Washington that are, yeah. you know, pra it's all practicing. And it's by practicing. the way, it's it, these border patrols. Look at the states that they're in. It's in uh, Texas, free state. It's in uh, Washington State, free state. And uh, you know what? I think what will happen. Just look at look at what happened with uh, with Black Friday. People when they can shop, they, uh, or not shop because someone's in the way, they they go nuts. So what if uh, the ATM system doesn't work, or you know the, the banking system just closes down for a bank holiday for uh, you know for a four days and no one can get any money? You can't buy anything. I think that's when what I can't shop. What's next? Football's going to be off. This is what. This is probably why they resolved the NBA lockout. Like we got to give these people something to do. <laughs> That's a good one. Put basketball back on the air. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's just basically you know, Obama back uh, back, back <laughs> he got, out of the he's office. He's bored. He's like, I'm so bored, man. He's got the he's got the jitters. He's got he doesn't have his basket. His b ball. Throw, throw my b ball back on the two boys. And got, so, I gotta watch uh, me some basketball. No, I think that they're getting ready for. That's uh, all set. It's got nothing. The terrorism thing's a complete hoax. Uh, really. Well, I'm sorry. I'm saying that really? again, but maybe I got a new listener out there. But uh, oh. we know that, we know that it's a hoax as at per se. Oh. But as an excuse for this, it's a, a real hoax because they're, this is about uh, corralling the public when all hell breaks loose and they can't control anything anymore, and they got to bring the military in. And the national guards all overseas; they can't use them. No, they're all uh, they're all occupied being used which is another thing mixing the national guard with the military which should be illegal mm. is also part of this whole scheme this is a, a, a well thought out uh, situation that's why you got insiders like mccain involved the guys are always involved in these inside deals he's in like in libya syria egypt he's always there usually it's with lieberman it's interesting that he's now with uh was it uh, levin yeah well it's because lieberman's an independent Oh, they needed a, need Democrat. a Democrat, right? Needed a Democrat, of course, of course. What am I thinking? Yeah, well, I think we're uh, both on uh, 
kind of thinking the same way. That it's, yeah, and I, it's what, going what to get disturbs ugly. me is that only Ron Paul appears to be uh, against any of this kind of thing. And, of course, he's been completely shoved aside, kicked to the, kicked shall, to the shall, curb. Should I tell you something about Ron Paul? I, the, last night, for some reason here, I sleep very lightly, or I'm still sleeping lightly. And, I, and lots of things come to mind. And it's I remember, the vibe, man. It's, it's, I'm feeling it, dude. And, and I remember because when you're in L.A., you're always rolled up into a ball, sucking your thumb, scared to death. <laughs> and and it's the 101 fumes that are knocking me and out. The fumes that have carbon monoxide. <laughs> it's like I'm dead. Actually, technically, clinically, I'm dead at night. There. Um, I remember in uh, 2000. Was it was a two. I think it was 1999, 2000. Uh, the Dutch elections were about to be swept by a guy named Pim Fortuyn. And this was this, you know, six foot three, six foot four tall, bald guy, highly intellectual, gay man. And he was basically saying, uh, we've got to stop the Islamification of the Netherlands. We've got to turn all this crap back. This is out of control. And the whole country was behind him. He was, he, everyone's like, yeah, you know, this guy is right. And he was the only one. And all the elites were going around like, oh, man. And uh, literally a week before the election, some crazy animal activist shot him five times with two different ty- types of bullets. And uh, his party actually won posthumously. They still won the election. I am. I fear for Ron Paul's life right now. And I don't yeah, want. I think please don't don't it. put this in the book. I fear for his life. Put it in the book. No, don't put that in the book because that's here. Listen to. Um, Listen to, you know, I've now I'm in the studio and I've got the uh, the cable box that I can rewind. This was Fox uh, this weekend talked with some douchebag talking about Iowa, which uh, Ron Paul, the Iowa caucus, Ron Paul stands a large chance of sweeping that. And here's how this is the so-called Republican network, the right wing network run by Democrats. Obviously, here's what they had to say about him. He continues to do very well in some of the polling. How would you handicap his chances in Iowa? Ron Paul has a very passionate base of support, uh, probably the most passionate of any candidate. Uh, he certainly uh, is popular with a certain constitu- constituency, and if yeah, which he means idiots, yeah, certain constituent nut nutcases. The, the field is split in Iowa. <laughs> Who knows what could happen? He could do very well there. He is well organized. However, however, let me be clear. Let's be very, very clear because you have to understand one thing, stupid people listening to me. I think it needs to be clear that even if Ron Paul does well in Iowa, even wins Iowa, more scrutiny will be applied to his foreign policy, which I think is completely unsustainable in a Republican field. There's no way in my mind he could possibly win the nomination. No way. No way possibly. Never ever could not happen. It's just impossible to even fathom that because he doesn't want to kill people. That's not American. He's got also a, uh, as we talked about in the last show, he has a uh, attitude about Iran which is more logical. I have a couple of clips kind of segues into this that I, I just want to get out of the way. I should have run them when I ran the Ron, Ron Paul clips on Thursday. But can you play, uh, there's two of them. You, if you like the first, well, let's play the second one first, which is Iran has no bomb. This is Seymour Hirsch, the oh, famous yeah. investigative journalist who's always floating around, and he's got very good contacts in the intelligence community. His whole uh, MO is just 
basically he's a, a conduit for uh, Mossad, CIA, uh, MI6, uh, mostly guys who like to, you need to talk at the bar. Um, and he uh, he's on a Democracy Now! discussing Iranian... Uh, the that Iran has no bomb, and and the fact that this whole Iranian thing is is is, is nuts, um, and that's worrisome because uh, again, it's a political issue there. Everybody, the country is moving quickly to the right. Israel is obviously, and um, I I can just tell you that I've also talked. Um, un unfortunately, the ground rules are so lousy in Israel. I can't re I can't re I can't write it, but I've talked to very senior intelligence people in Iran, in Israel, rather. If you notice, it, you, you don't hear that much about it, but the former head of Mossad, Meyer Dagan, who uh, left, uh, who was the guy that orchestrated the attempted assassinations in Dubai, etc., no dove, has been vehement about the, uh, the foolishness of attempting to go after Iran on the grounds that it's not clear what they have. They're certainly far away from a bomb. Israel's been saying for 20 years they're, you know, six months away from making a bomb. But I can tell you that I've talked to senior Israeli officers in Israel who have told me, A, uh, they know that Iran, as the, um, uh, as the American intelligence community reported, um, uh, I think it was in 07, uh, the, there was a national intelligence estimate that became public that said, essentially, Iran did look at the bomb. They had an eight-year war with Iraq, a terrible war, 1980 to 1988. And we, by the way, the United States sided with Iraq, Saddam Hussein at that time. Iran then, and then the years after that, they began to worry about Iraq's talk about building a nuclear weapon. So they did look in that period, let's say 87 to 97 to 2003, no question, the American NIE said in 07, it was um, augmented in 2011. I wrote about it a year ago in The New Yorker. It said, yes, they did look at a bomb, um, but um, not to, they knew that they couldn't, there's no way they could make a bomb to deter America or Israel. They're, they're not fools. This Persian society's been around for a couple thousand years. They can't deter us. We have too many bombs. They thought maybe they could deter Iraq. After we went in and took down Iraq uh, in 03, they stopped. So they had done some studies. We're talking about computer modeling. Yeah, well, this is we know this, except that's not the way the report came back. The report came back saying, well, we got all these uh, secret documents from some country that shall go unnamed. And they say they've got a bomb. So they've got a bomb. And uh, they've got a bomb. They, no one takes the time to read the reports. We read the report here on the show. No bomb. Right. But meanwhile, we've got the uh, Newt Gingrich's and all these other guys who and Gingrich is the worst of this group, by the way. He's an a-hole. He has been pounding the drum for this and that, and that glib style that he has. But you know what I think? You know what I think, John? I think he has made a deal with the Clintons, and he's got the backing of the Clintons. And, and I know it sounds weird, them being Democrats and all, but I think that, uh, that that's, that's the deal that he's struck. He's got a huge backing, and I believe the Clintons are behind him. Well, that's just all. You just came up with that just now? No, I've been thinking about this. I've been studying. Well, that's this. funny because that's this. Let me get this. I have to look this up now because I recall uh, listening to Gingrich recently talking about something he did with the Clintons or uh, with Bill uh, Gingrich Clinton. Let me well, just. Well I, well, I know that he did that. Uh, he did the global warming commercial with Nancy Pelosi, which was for Al Gore's uh, reality show. Right. Yeah. So he's on board with the Gore camp. Which uh, is, you know, and Gore's just a little sucker pussy boy for Clinton. Yeah, Bill Clinton praises Newt Gingrich over his immigration, thoughtful immigration oh, policies. There you go. There you go. 
Now he's he's done a deal. He's done a deal with him. Henry Gingrich running the polls. Bill Clinton praises old foe Newt Gingrich mm-hmm. on Newsmax. There you go. There you this go. is good. Yeah. They listen to this. <laughs> this is just this is new. This is broke, by the way. Uh-huh. Seventeen hours ago. Uh, former President Bill Clinton praised his erstwhile nemesis, former House Speaker Speaker Newt Gingrich, crediting his strong debate performance with propelling him into the front runner status for the GOP presidential nomination. Quote, it's not any traditional charisma, said Clinton, who discussed his new bestseller, his book. Yeah. Uh, he says Clinton believes Gingrich is emerging because, quote, he thinks about this stuff all the time. Yeah, he's, it, this is all he does when he's shopping at Tiffany's. I got, I got to be thinking about that. In September interview with Newsmax, Clinton had predicted that Gingrich, who at the time was polling in the single digits, would make a comeback. That's so, interesting. So the way this works in, in the United States of Gitmo Nation is you need money. Because if you don't have money, you don't have commercials. If you don't have commercials, then the networks don't, aren't, aren't interested in you. And that's why Ron Paul is getting all this airtime. It's because he's running commercials on the networks. He's got the money now to run commercials. They're being very smart about it. And Gingrich's his campaign was blown up. It was dead in the water. And then he did a deal with the Clintons because it doesn't matter if it's Democrats or Republicans who win. It's the same people. So this to me sounds like an endorsement from Bill Clinton. Yeah, you think <laughs> totally. Now, now yeah. let's just take this a little further. Because there's some more study that I've been doing. So uh, if Ob- let's say Obama. Uh, does, if, let me just get this off my chest. Sure. Well, what would happen if Gingrich somehow got the nomination to, and to be bipartisan, he had Hillary as the vice president? <laughs> oh, man. That's like a Clydesdale. <laughs> Clippity clop. <laughs> Clippity clop. Go on. Clippity clop. Go on with your. All right. So we need. Let's say uh, Obama doesn't quit, because at the end of the day, that's going to be up to Valerie Jarrett, you know, the, 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 a senior advisor to the president, the, the slumlord from Chicago. So um, my prediction to date has been they're going to have to either replace, they're going to have to put a candidate in, or it's also possible that they are going to have someone pop up and run against him to weaken the vote. Because he has to go. He cannot become the, the president for a second term. So this is what happened over the thanks. Two things happened over the Thanksgiving holiday. One I have a short clip for. The other I just have some backup documentation. Uh, here's what happened over the Thanksgiving holiday. I loved yeah. it. Ahead, I thought that was one of the most wonderful. It was Dana Perino, of course, on the, the five. Scenes. It made me feel like I should not have been oh. at the diner, but uh, where she was um, serving people. And one of the people quoted in the article uh, that she served said, uh, you're an incredible inspiration. So that was a nice story. Yeah, she was, yeah uh, it was. It was so good. nice to see her out, up on her feet, back in action. It really was heartwarming because a lot of people, you know, you don't get to see her very often. But it's so remarkable. When we were watching it, my sister looked at the camera. She goes, "Wow, wow, look at her." Yes, what a hero! And the American hero, Gabrielle Giffords, serving turkey dinners at Thanksgiving. That is a campaigning moment, no doubt about it. No matter what she's campaigning for. It's a campaigning moment, but even more interesting. And uh, and it was interesting that it happened, but I tried to pull a clip and it was just absolutely nothing available because the guy is so incredibly boring. Rahm Emanuel, mayor of Chicago, former chief of staff to President Barack Obama, um, did something very interesting. He was in Iowa 
and he was uh, at the um, at the Jackson dinner, which is, traditionally is the, the 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 Democratic candidate will go there uh, to uh, you know it's like uh, between a hundred and ten thousand dollars a pop for uh, for this dinner, and he did a whole speech supporting um, supporting Obama. But what was interesting is that two days after that, there was this huge interview on uh, NBC, a whole profile. And this is very, very typical PR. You have someone do something, and then you do the big the big network interview. I think they're positioning Rahm Emanuel to possibly be the guy who would all of a sudden pop up and say, you know what, uh, uh, I know how this works. I've been there from day one. Uh, the president is just tired. I'm going to have to uh, run for president. Oh, no, that's a lot. That is that's out there. It's either him or Gabriel Giffords. But some if he doesn't quit, if Obama doesn't quit, which is our original prediction. Then uh, I think it's going to be one of those two who are going to step in. Well, for one thing, Ram, the fact that Ram won Chicago is one thing because it's a it's a it's a, a machine uh, election. It doesn't really have to do with you having to actually having to be liked. No, no, it's by a, the it's it's a polling machines, right? There's that. There's a lot of corruption in Chicago. It's a known fact. <laughs> you don't say. say. Yeah. So uh, so really? I would think that they. I think they are scrambling to find somebody. Uh, but they got nothing. I mean, because it looks like they're either going to have to keep Obama in, even though I don't think he wants to run for re-election. I think he just as soon take his, you know, because he's going to make more money and he's going to have all the amenities of having been a previous president. So he keeps the security, free security guards, right, and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the retirement package and, his terra- and all kinds and of his, expenses and his terrarium to keep nice and, and hot for his lizardness. And, um, but, but they got, you know, they, both party, neither party except for Ron Paul and nobody wants him to be elected. So everybody's against him. I mean, the Republicans hate him. The Democrats, they kind of, they're, they're amused by him, but they don't, you know, they're not, he's got nothing, they got nothing to do with it. And the networks and the news media hate him or they've been told to, and, and they think they do because they're, they're so dumb. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. This thing is getting funnier by the minute. That's why I think Gingrich has somehow snuck into the action again, even mm-hmm, though mm-hmm. he's got a, a lot of luggage, baggage. He's got luggage, too. Well, the, uh, the, pres- his eyes. The, the, the president is unloading his baggage. Remember we talked about on the last show, uh, the first buddy, body man, uh, Reggie uh, Love. That he, Reggie Love. Uh, all of, I, Reggie. The president calls him I, Reggie. That he all of a sudden quit because, you know, he had important schoolwork to do. Like, <laughs> let me think. Um, job as the best, uh, the first buddy or uh, uh, getting my degree. Now, well, I, that's an easy choice as far as I'm concerned. Or you could at least wait a year. Um, the pictures of Reggie Love in college are now resurfacing everywhere. And uh, I have these pictures. They're linked in the show notes. No agenda show. Uh, 360.nashownotes.com. Of him passed out drunk at college and guys teabagging him. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It's pretty rough. <laughs> it's, so, warning. When you look at the pictures in the show notes, be warned. <laughs> so, I think there's some hanky-panky going on. They didn't want, uh, you know, Valerie Jarrett's like, okay, look, we got to be real careful here. They're out for us. Get out. 
you're gone. Just leave your stuff. Don't worry about it. We'll send it later. <laughs> we'll send we'll send someone over. Yeah. Go. Leave. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's well. disgusting. Well, it, when, you know when, uh, what's that douchebag on HBO? When Bill Maher is always talking about the teabaggers, you know, you should show a picture of what it really is. It's not, it's not really a nice thing to say to someone, you're a teabagger, because it means when someone's drunk, you're sticking your penis in their, in their mouth. It's not really nice. So, uh, although, <laughs> although it could be quite tasty. Reggie loves. <laughs> yeah, and of course, no one, the mainstream media doesn't do anything with this. No, they can't. They don't know what to do, how to do it. They don't know what to, how to deal with it. I mean, what are they supposed to do? Show the pictures. I, mean, I can just imagine being in one of these editorial meetings. Can we talk about this, uh, boss? Hey, I got this picture. I don't know. I don't think our, our readers would appreciate this. It's, it's, it's introducing too many variables to the conversation. I got this picture of this guy teabagging Reggie Love. You know, can we run that? <laughs> Well, Salon could run it, or uh, the Drudge Report, or any of these other... The Sentinel. Anyone could run this. The Advocate. No one's... Gay USA (laughs) could run it. No one's running it. No one's running it. Except the No Agenda show. And for that, we received uh, some alms... Yeah, not much. Because nobody <laughs> listens to the, the Thursday show. Nobody no, listens to no this show. We can up. talk about tea bagging all we want, and it's not going to make a bit <laughs> no of difference one, no because one nobody's cares. listening except no. the chat room. Yeah, but uh, we did have a couple. We do have two uh, uh, producers uh, uh, for this show. Uh, one executive producer came in late, but I want to read. He came in. He, he came in drunk, is what he did. He came in drunk. We, we, <laughs> we we've been asking for guys to come in drunk, and this guy didn't. And this will lead into. By the way, I think people want us to talk about a little bit about wine and food. I do want to discuss the scotch he's drinking, and so I can give some people some ideas about what's going on in the world of. of oh, no, very good. Yes, of uh, liqueurs. Yes. Um, so let's go. Here we go. Three hundred dollars came in from D at MIT. Damn it. Damn it. And uh, he uh, he's in uh, June Dallop, Western Australia, which is, as far as I know, is just inhabited by uh, wallabies. Kangaroo, kangaroo wallabies. <laughs> yeah, mate. So here he is. I'm going to read it kind of the way he'd be reading it, maybe. All right. All right. Okay, ready? Yeah. Hey. Here I sit, having gone through half a bottle of Blue Label, what a lovely drop it is, thinking how Adam keeps doing me in the douche. (laughs) Is it the age-old battle of Dutch hate the superior Germans? Give me my bike back. Nah, he thinks I'm an Australian. He beat me at the finals. (laughs) What does that mean? Maybe the U.S. Some Open or something? Game? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I've been a loss to explain. I love the show, but the first time I donate, I'm an adulterer. <laughs> this the guy. second time I explain my adultery, the third time Adam makes me sound like a loser of a stoder. <laughs> Just because I'm coddling a bottle of the good stuff. And trust me, it takes more than a bottle. Wait a minute. So this is the same drunk donor? It's like he's donating drunk now for the third time? Yeah. Okay, good. I'm lost in the land of Oz. Let me sip some more scotch that cost as much as my donation. Adam, it is hard to part with funds. Heck, my total contributions to your show equal my credit card interest rates, charges in a month, and man, that sucks. 
I wish I was loaded. Yes, the jingle's in my head, but I am aware of my action. Adams, I deduce you as I forgive you. I love you, man. Since John keeps you in line and karma to me and my family. The longs have run out of damn it. John, I please put my son Xander on the birthday list. He is up for it on the 10-12. I think it would be thrilled to have my child called out for his birthday. As long as you don't mention adultery like you did last time. <laughs> what does mean, Dad? Never mind, son. Just Adam being a douche. Don't tell Mom. Lobster on the barbecue. Okay. So, Excellent. Uh, encourage more of these. Uh, this these, is good. This is the kind of note we, we like reading. Because yeah. we like people to, to kind of reveal the real, you know, our real listeners. Uh, so he's drinking apparently as uh, Johnny Walker Blue. Now you're going to tell us that this is bull crap, this blue stuff. By the way, no, the, Asi- quite, well, the, the, the Asians love it. The Japanese love this stuff. Well, the blue is the expensive. Uh, yeah, hell yeah. Johnny Walker is a blended scotch, yeah. uh, and is, the company is owned by Diageo, who owns half the world of, of spirits, and they're going broke half the time. They they own, bought out Seagrams, and they bought out the distribution of Chateau and Estates, and then they. <laughs> bought all these expensive wines and it was about a year and a half ago two years ago when they they said we can't do this anymore we can't handle this too much work and they dumped all these unbelievably expensive wines on the market at half price i picked up a bunch of burgundies and everything else next to nothing nice and but these guys are incompetent basically Mm. so they they take the johnny walker brand and they've they've been messing with it so the experts out there, there's a couple of interesting Johnny Walkers. If you're going to, if a Scotch drinker's out there, you should know this. Johnny Walkers generally, the red, the black, the blue, are generally, uh, are blended Scotches. That means they have uh, neutral spirits mixed in with the single malts. And so it's a little smoother. The blue is, is the best of the group. It's very expensive. And many experts think it's the most overpriced. And the smart money will buy either the green or the gold. Now, the Johnny Walker green, <clears throat> now, I, I think they've changed this, the, the, what, they, what they used to be up to, because I was told years ago when I was tasting at the International Wines and Spirits Competition, by these, which has the best tasters that get these experts, by somebody that, the, that the, at the time, and this was about, I don't know, six, seven years ago, that the Johnny Walker green was the, was the stuff you wanted to buy because it was all the leftover single malts from this tonnage, and you can look this up on uh, Wikipedia, the tonnage of single malt uh, re- distilleries that Diageo owns. And they just take all the I think it's Diageo, by the way. Diageo. Yeah. They, they bring in all these single malts and they throw them into the green label and the smart money just buy that. It was a kind of a mix of, of single malts, no neutral spirits. I now, if I look on their w- wiki page, it says that the, the green is a blend of four single malts from the different corners, the four different styles of scotches in the bottle. And it has stopped winning awards, and the awards are now going to the to the gold label, which is what I was told the, the, the green was, which is a mixture of 15 or 20 different single malts in the, and then aged for 15 to 18 years. That is the what the, the, what the real connoisseurs think is the Johnny Walker to drink if you're going to drink Johnny Walker. Uh, and most people think that the blue is is good, but it is probably costs twice as much as it should. And that is your information regarding Johnny Walker. That all the ever <laughs> buy the gold. That's all I can say. Go for the gold. Anyway, so this is what happens when you drink too much of this stuff at once. Well, apparently it's good stuff. 
Well, yeah, he seems to like it. I can't afford it. We we drink uh, Jack here. <laughs> the it, Jack is good. We drink it in that big bottle, like the gallon bottle. The big giant bottle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Mickey's so price conscious. I love her for that. He's like, you know, we like our scotch. I'm like, yeah. Here it is. It's like this huge bottle. I think it has a handle on it, too. <laughs> no, it doesn't have a handle. It's just a huge bottle. It's a huge bottle, yeah. yeah. That's uh, We buy it in bulk. That's the well, best way Jack to go. Jack Daniels has always been a, uh, a very... I mean, if you, if you were in Europe, it's an expensive... It's like a treat. It's like oh, $50 yeah, it's like for special. a shot. Yeah, it's special. Uh, and I used it... Um, you know, I, I, I made your special uh, sweet potato recipe for Thanksgiving. The fake ah. bogative holiday. Uh, and instead of bourbon, which I couldn't afford, I used the Jack Daniels. It actually worked quite well. No, anything that's got that flavor, Jack yeah. Daniels is fine for that, yeah. And I added a little bit. You know, you know what I am using all the time now? You told me um, after, I think it was one of our post-show deconstruction sessions, you told me that I should cut up the chili peppers and put them into uh, vinegar and, uh, and you know, just mix it up and let it sit for a while. And, I, and uh, I've done that. I use apple cider or cider vinegar, actually. This stuff is amazing, and I put it on everything. I make sauces with it. I put it on just, it, it'll go nice on some lamb, anything you're cooking. Just, and it gives it that little extra kick and it has a nice little flavor to it. It's, it's phenomenal. It really is great. Yeah, it is good. I'm just saying, it's a food tip. In fact, I, I was made, the other day I got a couple of, uh, I got four of these habaneros, big ones, big red ones. I said, ooh, red habaneros, which are very hard to come by. And they're so hot. I mean, I, I have you know, them. I, I have was, them. I have them. You have some habaneros? Yeah. Yeah. I'm growing them. So I mixed some habaneros with, uh, I took a couple of them and, and mixed them with some regular Fresnos and some other red chili. So it was going to be a red sauce. And then I put in some tomatillos, which helped uh, balance off the acidity. And then, it, and then ground the whole thing up in a blender with some vinegar, salt, and pepper. And, uh, but then it and it would be it's like extremely excruciatingly hot, but curiously, and I don't know why this is, and I've never read about it, but I can tell you that if you take a and make a habanero sauce, uh, and you let it set for like two or three days in the refrigerator, it's fantastic. It drops the heat down by at least thirty, forty. 50, 60 yeah, percent. It drops it way down. Yeah, yeah. And then you can now eat it and you still get that smoky habanero flavor, which is very distinctive. And you don't you're not blowing your head off, you know, or in, you know, <laughs> abject agony. And by the way, that habanero is about, I think, one quarter the concentration of capsicum that they have in that pepper spray. By, which you know, is speak, speaking of the capsicum, just briefly, because I did some research on that. Um, so the capsic capsicum. Is it called capsicum or cassicum? I can't remember now. I, I pronounce it capsicum. That's what everybody said. I don't know how it's. I don't know how to look at the word. Do you know that it is not? You know, uh, Megan Fox was saying that it's a food. Oh, product. it's a food. It's not Megan Fox. It was Megan. Uh, yeah. no, I can't. Remember her name her is name. Megan Fox. <laughs> Megan Fox. <laughs> That's Megan her name. Kelly. Megan well, Fox. We're now going to call her Megan Fox. I'm the Kelly Network. Um, so she, you know, it's actually, it's not regulated by the FDA. It's regulated by the EPA because it is deemed a pesticide. Oh, well, that's what I said. They were spraying him like it was a bug spray. <laughs> exactly. The concentration of capsicin, capsicin in bear spray is one to 2%. In the, uh, pepper spray, they, spr they, you know, and the, on the, uh, 
the pesticide they used on the uh, Occupy Wall Streeters uh, at Davis, UC Davis, 10 to 30 percent. So it's like it's like it's like a multi multiple uh, in strength to bear spray. Bear spray, which should stop a bear. It's unconscionable. It is. All right. Do we have another? That guy uh, should be imprisoned. And I think there's some laws that apply to his use of that stuff. That guy actually should be in jail, that cop. Yeah. In the general population, too. Yeah. So we got one more uh, associate. Do we have <laughs> so we can poop on him. Associate uh, uh, executive producer is anonymous. <laughs> oh. From Bridgewater, New Jersey, $200. Uh, anonymous of Bridgewater says, Greetings and in the morning slaves is a targeted donation. No hookers, no blow, no rent boys, no cabernet. How boring. This is seed money to finance the building of the new home of the Ministry of Bogativity. <laughs> I would highly recommend this building be constructed of drone-proof materials utilizing the best cloaking technologies for which the science is currently in. Since I'm sure I'll be too full of... Crypto fan to propagate the formula today. I'll just send my cash. Happy thanks. Thanks stalking day. That's uh, thanks taking day. I think is thanks taking. Sorry. Yeah. Well, stalking's yeah. even funnier. Well, you know that uh, they're building that uh, that Euro Europa building in Brussels, which is going to cost four hundred million euros. Have you seen this thing? Yeah, I have. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Made of glass and metal and I think cloaked and drone proof materials. So uh, we're on our way, John. That's what that's what it'll take. About 400 million euros. And uh, Anonymous is helping us on our way to uh, our very own building for the Ministry of Bogativity. That's great. Yeah, the Ministry of Bogativity would be ideal. So we uh, appreciate uh, these these two supporters who have shown up. We'll have a very short segment uh, later on as well. Uh, to be expected, we know how it works, uh, and still, here we are doing the show for you on uh, the day when uh, no one gives a crap about us. <laughs> Nobody will listen to this show. No, no. And uh, I, I sent I sent Adam an email. I said, "Why do we do this show on Sunday?" <laughs> and and <my> Adam <laughs> says, "You know, after Thanksgiving, because every year it's the same thing. Nobody comes in, nobody listens. And people, they, 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 very few people go back. You know, they'll, they'll listen to the next show. They won't listen to an old show." And he says, "I don't know. I got nothing else to do." Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah, cool. What else, do? what else are you doing on Sunday morning? What else am I going to do, well, that's man? That's a good point. I really don't have much to do either. I could watch Face the Nation. It was the shows were all pre-taped and completely boring. There was nothing. Yeah, on. and everything is a rerun. I know the shows and, are all bullcrap. And did you notice? So you can't even watch any good shows. Fareed Zakaria, the anti-constitutionalist douchebag from Pakistan. Um, he had, oh, the whole show was an ad. It was an ad for the Steve Jobs book. And, uh, you know, that, the, the author who, God, if, if I see him on one more show, I'm going to puke. And, um, and then he had another ad. What is the, what is the commercial you've seen the most on CNN recently? Do you know what that is by any chance? No. For the Dyson vacuum cleaner. They had the new vacuum cleaner. You want the ball? Yeah, they have, but they have the new short one. It's like a dust buster, a Dyson dust buster. And they have the guy on the show when he's talking about his innovations. and uh, It's a complete vacuum ad. Vacuum cleaner salesman? Yeah. He's a vacuum cleaner salesman on the show? Yeah, on the show talking about innovation. These are the guys that used to go door to door. Yeah, with his ball. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like to support us for being here on these days. Dvorak.org. Slash N-A. I had to crank it up a bit for some other yeah, things. Yeah, and don't forget, you can also go to channeldvorak.com slash N-A, newagendanation.com, and uh, 
The noagendashow.com has a link to the donation page, too. And we have uh, a few uh, PR initiatives. Always nice to see these forwarding to uh, noagendashow.com. Occupythewaves.com, which I kind of like, as in airwaves. You know what? In my move, I found uh, my original FCC broadcast license. Your third-class phone? Yes, I do. I got it. I have wow. the. I, have the I, sh- I'm gonna, I think I still have mine somewhere, I but I have no idea it. where. I think I'm going to scan it. It's a little card, right? It's like a credit card. Size. No, I had a big certificate. Oh, really? I predate you. Hmm. It wasn't as big as the first class phone, which was a huge certificate. No, this, this is just was a, a size. Little this was a good size certificate. It was a size uh, like five by seven or eight by ten sized. Um. So anyway, I'll scan those and I'll put that up. Also, uh, bear, bad hair dot us. I guess is a, a Mitt Romney uh, domain name, but we like it. Badhair.us. Karmicwash.me, which I think is very nice. It also has, uh, we have the .com, the .org, and the .net, and .info as well. And dronophobia.com. This one I like a lot. Dronophobia.com. You're not liking it? No, I'm writing it down. I like it so much. <laughs> okay. And, of course, everyone else out there, you can do something to help us out as well. It is very simple. Go out, propagate our message. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. New World Order. Say it with me now, everybody. Shut up, slave. Just before we leave the topic of scotches, if anybody wants to know what my favorite scotch is, uh, and I would recommend getting this if you want to blow somebody's mind, thirty-year-old uh, Lafroig. Oh, Lafroig isn't. Is, you know, we used to. Uh, one of my first clients when I first started my company in ninety-three or ninety-four was um, Schaeffler and Somerset. You know them? No. They import all the single malts. So I had bar backs in my office with all the single malts, with Laphroaig, with Oban. I mean, it was just a total bonanza. We were just drinking all the time. Great client. Shifflin and Somerset. They yeah, well, I think they're gone. <laughs> they're all gone. Yeah, they're all, it's all but anyway, Laphroaig 30 is very expensive, but it's worth it. And it's not, and believe me, Laphroaig, if you, people would say Laphroaig is terrible because no, if you have it, you buy no, the no. stuff from Costco, it's 10 years old. It's almost undrinkable. It's like drinking a, a, or just Windex. biting into like a pine Windex. car. It's like Windex. You can clean windows with it. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. But 30 is just like, wow. Mm. It's like, it's the, it's the ultimate scotch. So we have a, a prediction very close to coming true. Very, 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 very close to coming true. Uh, you know, we're waiting for the 99% uh, concert, the benefit concert uh, for the 99% attended by the 1%. Um, and no sooner had I looked at this than uh, we have our Occupy Wall Street soundtrack, the Occupy This album, which will be available sometime uh, this winter, featuring DJ Logic, Lady Tron, Warren Hayes, Toots, and the Maytals, Mike Limbald, Aeroplane Pageant, and others. And uh, Miley Cyrus checking in with... Uh, Miley Cyrus posted this to her YouTube account. It is a video consisting of Occupy Wall Street footage with a hot slamming hip-hop R&B track to go with it. Yo, Miley be on the tip. She know what's going on. Hipping out, Miley!
It's called the Walk of Liberty. The Walk of Liberty? Yeah, that's uh, that's the title of the track. <laughs> and oh. uh, so I guarantee you we're going to get the 99% <coughs> Benefit concert. It's coming up. And I, you know, Miley Cyrus, she's in. She's already shilling for a spot. And Lady Gaga can't be far behind. Yeah, Lady Gaga would make the thing, uh, would do oh, the trick. Well, it would be, be kind of an interesting battle at the top. <laughs> a battle. Maybe we can have a cat fight. <laughs> it's going to happen, though. It is so going to happen. It's, you know, it's almost getting, our predictions are just, it's so easy to do these, these predictions. Yeah, because it's like, it's, it's like walking down Broadway. Yeah. You know, you know what street's next. It's like the train leaves the station. It's on yeah, a track. Exactly. We have, uh, well, I'll save this one for later. I'll save that. That's, it's too good for now. Um, let me see. Uh, while we're on the uh, the squirrel tip. Oh, actually, uh, let's talk about what's happening. Uh, I have a little theory here about what's going on in Syria. Because uh, they're rolling out the script. Um, so we have the uh, rebel army in Syria. The free Syrian army calling for airstrikes on strategic targets. So basically a no-fly zone. That's, uh, that's what that means. Uh, that was in the news in the past two days. Yeah, we're not fighting <coughs> yet. Not yet, not yet. Um, we have uh, the George Bush aircraft carrier right off the, uh, the coast there. Uh, the Russians also have their aircraft carrier. Then we have the International Crisis Group writing about uh, all the things we have to do. Uh, particularly when it comes to the central bank of Syria. So the script is rolling out, but the best one is uh, from the United Nations. A United Nations human rights panel expressed alarm Friday at reports it has received a Syrian security forces torturing children. Oh, brother. Yeah, this is... Where's uh, the rape? uh, Well, no, that didn't work. The rape thing no one bought, so... It's, they want to do it somewhere in between the dumping kids out of incubators and raping women with Viagra. Uh, so they came up with this one. Secure, Syrian security forces torturing children. Torturing children, really. But I know what's going to happen. Because we know that uh, uh, we made a deal with the Russians. And that's like, we're not going to go in there. Unless, and here it comes, unless... And this is such a such a, a fractal. I think you'll love it. Unless Syria would attack Turkey, I have uh, and and this is I have a little uh, news clip. Yeah. Listen to this now. Listen from Euro News. Uh, this is them. Uh, well, just listen to this, and I'll, I'll explain. I'll expand on the theory. Its crackdown on protesters continues. Syria has until the end of the day to sign an Arab deal, letting monitors into the country. Same script as Libya: Arab deal, the Arab League. Country, or it could incur sanctions. The Arab League deadline has officially expired, but a source said the door would be left open to Damascus for a few extra hours. The day after, dozens were reported killed amid an overall death toll of three and a half thousand, according to the UN. This latest amateur footage appears to... And by the way, the whole thing is amateur footage. There's not a single professional camera shot in the piece. So no let-up in the onslaught. Russia opposes sanctions and says it needs more information about a French idea for a humanitarian corridor. To- a humanitarian corridor. This is a new one. I love this. The humanitarian corridor. To Russians. Po- to poop on you. Bring medicine or other supplies to civilians. 
Russia, as a matter of principle, proceeds from the premise that at this stage, what's needed is not resolutions, not sanctions, not pressure, but internal Syrian dialogue. But meeting his Italian counterpart today, Turkey's foreign minister said his country was ready to act in unison with the Arab League over Syria. So here's what's going to happen. I'm calling a false flag in Turkey because we have the setup, right? We have everyone's in place, everyone's ready, but we need a reason. And this is exactly like Desert Storm 1 where uh, Iraq uh, jumped into Kuwait. That was the impetus. Like, oh, okay, now we got to go. This is not okay. You're in someone else's turf. We're friends with them. We've been setting up friendships with Turkey. We've had uh, Clippity Clop, uh, Lucifer. Everyone's been in Turkey. We're going to have a false flag event that's going to be blamed on Syria in Turkey. And that's when we go. Yeah. No chance. Because the New York Times. We don't go. I'm looking at the New York Times. (laughs) Here's the Sunday paper, which is the mouthpiece of the CIA. There is zero, zero coverage of anything, including, it's not even like mentioned in the entire front section. There's not one single Syrian story. If we're going to go along the lines of what you're thinking, which is just because something's happening, that we're going to do something, play the Bahrain still having issues, which is reported on Democracy Now!, which gets no coverage from either the spokespaper of record, the New York Times, or your uh, conduits of information, whatever they might be, play this little thing. Clashes have erupted in Bahrain ahead of today's release of a report investigating the crackdown on the pro-democracy uprising earlier this year. The Bahraini monarchy commissioned the supposed independent probe after crushing protests with the help of Saudi troops. At least 26 people were killed. Over 1,500 people were arrested. Thousands lost their jobs after protests erupted in February. Bahraini activists have questioned the report's credibility. The Bahraini monarchy is funding the probe and footing the bill for commission members to stay at the lavish Ritz-Carlton Hotel and Spa. So you have to understand, of course we're not going to do anything with Bahrain because it has the Formula One races there. Are you nuts? And we're not going to do anything with with Syria. Yes, we are. Because they've already done the deal with X. The Russians have already done a deal, a quid pro quo with Exxon. To, for whatever oil is going to be found here and there uh, between Cyprus and Syria. And that, so this is all put in the back burner. I'm this look- is an MI6 BP oil thing that you're being suckered into believing no, it actually is going to no, happen. No, no, no. First of all, may I please point out that the New York Times posted a story about Syria two hours ago. You're reading the, uh, well, what is that thing, that ancient thing called? It's called oh, the yeah, paper, paper that people actually read. Paper. Nobody goes to the website. Now, this will be, be out in, in tomorrow's times. It's the Sunday and Saturday paper that makes the difference. <sighs> okay. Well, we can we can agree to disagree, but uh, I think you're wrong. I think we will have a false no, I'm flag. I'm not saying that they're not trying to do something, but I'm not. By the way, there's a picture of Hillary on the front page of this paper that is enough. <laughs> Hold on a it's second. a collector's item. You've got to find it. It's, let's look see. for the article by Scott Shane. Uh, it's called the cross party lines lobbying for Iranian exiles on terrorist list. And it has Hillary walking past these three douchebags. I'm telling you, this picture is I've got to find the, the Wait the, a minute. The I, when is this the three douchebags from uh, from Egypt? I don't know who these douchebags are. Is that is that the t- it's her techno experts? Yes. What, these guys that say Deutschmeier, whatever it says on their yellow T-shirts. Oh, hold on. I'm trying to find I don't have this picture on my front page. 
Thank no, you. you're going to have to dig for it. I What's think. Uh, uh, Who's the article by? Thank you, love. Scott Shane, S-H-A-N-E. What's that? Oh, eggnog. Yay. Hey, thank you. That's nice. Scott Shane. Yeah. S-H-A-N-E. A-N-E. Hold on. I mean, this picture is great. And what's it called? What's the article called? Across party lines lobbying for Iranian exiles on terrorist list. That's weird. It's not in here. I can't find it at all. That's no, too bad. No, that's too, too bad. But somebody uh, must have called from the White House. Well, Hil- that picture off. We don't <laughs> want people downloading it. Hillary definitely uh, had her techno experts at work uh, in Egypt. Here's uh, the news clip. You probably saw this. Hello. Why are you not playing? Yeah. This is weird. Oh, that's your uh, Bahrain clip. I'm sorry. Hold on a second. Where's my techno experts clip? Uh, here we go. Techno experts. With a smile on his face, one of the three American students jailed during protests in Egypt arrived back home tonight in Philadelphia. I'm so thankful Philadelphia. Back in Philadelphia. I'd like to thank. What's in Philadelphia, John? Egyptians <laughs> and spies. Dude, spies. My parents, my mom, and my dad for the support. Gregory Porter just wanted a hometown meal after his long trip from Cairo. Police arrested the 19-year-old and two of his friends during deadly riots in Cairo's Tahrir Square Sunday. Authorities accused the three of throwing firebombs at Egyptian security forces clashing with protesters. The U.S. government helped bring the college students back to America when prosecutors decided not to press charges. I'd like to thank the embassy in Cairo for all the things they did for us. Of course. As well as the administration at the American University in Cairo for all their help and support. And Hillary. Tahrir Square remained relatively peaceful. So here's what's going on in Egypt. This is, uh, it's exactly upside down. The army took over and they're saying like, well, we don't think we should do elections right now because everyone that uh, wants to get in, in particular, Alberadai, who is this guy uh, from the International Crisis Group. He's on the board there. This is the guy that we've been tracking for Yeah, and I, and I should mention that the two of us have pointed, predicted the Egyptian military would take over after this thing began right. because they're all trained here. Right. And, 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 but what's happening now is that, um, clippity clop Lucifer said, okay, it's time to get our boys in. And the, and, and the army, the military is going like, no, we don't think so. And so, oh no. Okay. We're going to bring our techno experts out. In fact, we've sent a couple over from Philadelphia and they're going to chuck some bombs at you and make it all look like a horrible thing on television. Because exactly, what do you see on TV? You see the Egyptian riots. What do you not see on TV? You don't see Bahrain. Because this is important. This is what it's all about. This is not about another uprising. This is yet again the techno experts going in and trying to overthrow by popular vote or whatever, or popular uh, action, to overthrow and get Elbaradai in. Elbaradai is the guy who even said in a statement he is willing to not run for president if they'll make him the leader of the Transitional National Council. I mean, does it get any funnier than that? <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, just like Libya. So that then McCain can go in with the Exxon and McDonald's and everybody else. It's a total takeover. 
Well, yeah, I don't think they're doing a very good job of it. Well, Hillary's too busy getting ready for the birth of her baby. So you have to see this picture then. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right, go on. Well, no, that's uh, that's basically what I had to say about it. I mean, it's, uh, isn't that enough? Yeah, I guess. We had that, uh, you know, our buddy there who did uh, trueislam1.com. Uh, who got arrested in New York? Uh, where we made we we made a bomb that would have done what it looked like he was drilling holes in a pipe for that guy. Oh yeah, right, that guy, that guy. So, um, what's his name? Lieberman comes out, and uh, he says, "Let me see." He he sent a letter. Now I have the letter here somewhere. Hold on a second. He sent a letter to Google. And this is actually something you should you should report on this. Um, hold on, let me just find the Lieberman letter. Lieberman? Yeah, he sent a letter to Google. Uh, here it is. <clears throat> uh, he says, to Larry Page, actually, I'm sorry, not just to Google. On Saturday, New York Police Department arrested Jose Pimentel for constructing a pipe bomb to be used. He didn't. To be used against U.S. military service members, allegedly used the Internet to access instructions, blah, 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 blah. Pimentel's Internet activity, both his spreading of bomb-making instruction links and his hate-filled writings were hosted by Google. By the way, that's not true because I looked at trueislam1.com and his pipe bomb-making instructions and links are not on that site. It's a very boring site. On his site, www.trueislam1.com. Pimentel stated, quote, people have to understand that American policies are all legitimate targets in warfare, blah, 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 blah. And as demonstrated by this recent case, Google's web hosting site, Blogger, is being used by violent Islamist extremists to broadcast terrorist content. Pimentel's site is just one of the many examples of homegrown terrorists and lone wolves. The dangerous blogger using Google hosted sites to, propag to propagate their violent ideology. In September 2008, in response to a previous request that YouTube not allow terrorist content on its servers, Google changed its YouTube community guidelines to expressly ban terrorist content. In November 2010, Google introduced a flag button for terrorist content on YouTube. Have you ever seen the, the terrorist <laughs> hey, I'm flag? I put that on a lot of sites that I think are terrorist <laughs> yeah. sites. I'm glad we have 700 domain names. I continue to appreciate <laughs> and, commend, and commend these important first steps, but I am disappointed that Google has not developed a consistent standard throughout its many platforms. Unlike YouTube's community standards, bloggers' content policy does not expressly ban terrorist content, nor does it provide a flag feature for such content. So he's basically asking for a flag, a terrorist flag. <laughs> I think it's the Al-Qaeda flag, isn't it? Terrorist flag. A terrorist flag. Lieberman, and, and I pulled up an old clip of Lieberman. This is the guy who just said this. Give you an idea of how well he understands the internet. Where's my mouse? Here we go. This is this guy is such an idiot. He's telling us uh, here's, uh, here's how the internet works according to Joe Lieberman. 
you have an internet bill. It's been called the kill switch bill that uh, would allow the president to seize control or shut down portions yeah. of the internet yeah. Uh, yeah. if uh, the U.S. was under some sort of cyber attack. Cyber I don't attack. know if you've seen the internet lately. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there who think that what you are granting the president is absolute power to shut down freedom of speech. I mean, this is, that this is just over the top. No way. And total misinformation. No I, way, I don't know man. People are intentionally peddling the misinformation. Here's the fact. Fact. Um, fact. Cyber war is going on in some sense right now. Our, our civilian <laughs> infrastructure, the, the internet that runs the electric grid, the telecommunications grid, transportation, all the rest is, is constantly being probed by <laughs> nation states, by some terrorist groups. By or Let me ask you a question. Why put the, the transportation grid on the internet at all? That's not necessary. It's baffling. You know it's why? I know why. Necessary. Why? I've just, if we did this. Uh, we talked about this on the X3 show. You should, <laughs> people out there should check it out once in a while. X3show.mevio.com. Uh, we talked about this. It's because everybody's so lazy that they just assume put everything on the internet so some fat guy can sit at home scratching his gut while he's like, eh, let's see what, this, what the conditions are at the plant, you know, without having to go in. Let's see what get the temperature of is of the core. I need to know the temperature of the core, uh, and I just want to do it on my iPhone with my That's app. That's the only reason. Why would you put any of this stuff connected to the, on the internet? No, of course not. It's bull crap. Organized criminal gangs. Gangs. And uh, we need this capacity in time of war. We need the capacity time for the war. president to say... Um, Internet service provider, we've got to disconnect the American Internet from all traffic coming in from another foreign country. <laughs> this guy clearly does not understand the Internet. <laughs> disconnect it from all incoming traffic. It's only an American Internet. It's a big firewall like, uh, yeah, like those Chiners have. Or we've got to put a patch on this part of it. A patch. patch. We, <laughs> we need a patch. A Band-Aid. Give me a little patch. The president will never take over, the government should never take over the internet. And listen, we've consulted, Senator Collins and I are proposing this bill with civil liberties and privacy experts. This is a matter of national security. security. A cyber attack on America can do as much or more damage today by incapacitating our banks, our, our, our communications, <laughs> our, our, our finance, uh, our, our transportation as a conventional war attack. And the president in, in catastrophic cases, not uh. going to do it every day, not going to... No, not every day. Maybe every every Sunday. He makes it sound like he's going to be doing it all the time. Yeah, like, no, but think, not every day. We're going to have an internet-free Sunday, everybody. So not today, not today. Tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to pull it, patch it. Take it over. So I, I say to my friends on the internet, relax. Hey, friends on the internet. All my friends out there, relax. Chillax, bro. The president not gonna do chillax. it. Any, not gonna do it any, every day, man. No way, chillax. Take a look at the bill, <laughs> and, and this is something that we need to protect our country right now. China, the China. government, can disconnect parts of its internet in the case See? of war. We need to have that. We need to have the same thing. Whatever China, whatever does, China we got, do. we gotta get. Idiot. And then write. We need a flag on blogger. <laughs> blogger. This tells you Who how are those dangerous bloggers. This tells you how great Google Plus is going to be. <laughs> You'll have a special circle, a terrorist circle. You can put your terrorist friends in there. <sighs> Come on, Larry, do it. Read the bill, Larry. We want consistent guidelines. Bloggers got to do it. You got the terrorist content out there, like bomb making stuff. <laughs> 
Get it off. <sighs> so you sound a little bit like halfway between uh, Larry King and Beavis. <laughs> or Butthead, one of the two. I can never mix them. Uh, I, I can't do... Uh... Larry, you, do, you were doing Larry King, and then you also had a little Beavis Butthead action in oh, there okay, with, well, with the laughing. We'll take it. We'll take it. Can you do it on call, though? That's the problem. What, that one? No, yeah. you drop into it. Yeah. You're Larry uh, King. Uh, I, uh, my suspenders are a little bit tight today. <laughs> I'm off the air. That idiot, Pierce Morgan. Stupid idiot. Fucking Brit. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> you're generating into a kind of a George Bush after he's about 90. Anyway, it's so, all good. It's all good. Okay, where were we? Oh, well, here's one. This is what this is. Actually, I have a pet peeve. Ooh, I'll, I'll be ready for the, the jingle. It's not a long pet peeve, but it's a pet peeve. Play pet peeve. Okay. No, wait, wait, let me set it up. All right. All right. So this woman. Wait, let me name? ask you. Let me ask you a question. A production note. You're going to set it up. I'm going to play the pet peeve, and then you want to come back before I play the jingle, right? And you're going to go yeah, off. Yeah, I'm going to say something, and then you play the jingle. Because everyone loves it when you go crazy. But I'm not going to go that crazy, but it's a, you'll, you'll have heard this peeve before. It's a pet peeve of mine. Okay. So this woman is some idiot from the White House who's a representative of, of uh, at some meeting, one of those C-SPAN things. I have her name downstairs on an envelope. I forgot to bring it up. But it's beside the point. The point is that this, you hear people doing this constantly, and it just drives me nuts. Somebody's going to ask her a question. Take one more. The gentleman in the back there. <clears throat> David Yaskin, Starfish Retention Solutions. Um, so we're, you're talking about um, resources for consumers, and that's really good. Um, I work with colleges every day who are looking for best practices of how they can improve college completion. What's the U.S. government doing for the administrators of these colleges to help them? That's a great question. <laughs> How is that a great question? It's a stupid question. Why is why do people say that's a great question when it's not a great question? It's just a question. <laughs> more, do more. It's that. Have you ever noticed this? And I see it in meetings all the time. You know, somebody's asked some stupid question, and instead of just answering the question, you say, "That's a great question." Where do you learn this? Is there a seminar that tells you to say that's a great question when it's clearly not a, a great question? If I hear a great question, I'll know it. These I've never heard one. I've never heard in my life a great question. They're all just questions. There's not a great question. Why is she saying it's a great question? It's not. I published that interview with the the guy who wrote Among the Truthers yesterday that I uh, remember we talked about him. Yeah. And uh, he actually did that in the interview. He said, that's a great question. Now, in this case, it actually was a great question. So I didn't go off on him. When people say that around, if I ask a question, something, I usually don't show up for things like this. But if I did and I ask a question, somebody says that to me, I, I always come back to him. I would say, I don't think it's a great question. It's just a question. Well, what or, he, or, or, or I, what I'd like to say is, are you an idiot? That's not a great question. Right. Well, I wasn't I didn't want to be confrontational with the guy because I just wanted to hear what he had to say. And, and he was going on about, you know, the Internet is a place where it confirms stuff. So if you're researching things, you're only going to find sites that confirm your belief and confirm what you're already thinking. And I said, well, when you're researching this book, didn't you do exactly the same? Didn't you wind up in that trap where you're just finding stuff that confirmed that all conspiracy theorists are tinfoil hat wearing loonies? And he said, that's a great question. <laughs> and I think it was a great question. 
Well, I think it was a, an interesting observation. <laughs> yeah, okay, it wasn't a question. You're right. It wasn't a question. Here's a question for you. A question for you is kind of a, an, ask, uh, an Ask John question. And in fact, I would like to set it up because this is what the American president thinks is the American dream. In the end, the folks I hear from in letters or meet when I travel across the country, they aren't asking for much. Not much. They're just looking for a job that covers their bills. They're looking for a little financial security. They want to know that if they work hard and live within their means, everything will be all right. <laughs> They'll be able to get ahead and give their kids a better life. That's the dream each of us has for ourselves and our family. Just getting by. That's the American dream, according just, to the president. That's the American dream. The American dream. dream. Just getting by. So the, uh, the McLaughlin Group, which, as we know, is a scripted show, a, stri- yes. a scripted uh, talk Strictly show. Strictly scripted, yeah. Uh, the same <laughs> question was posed. What is the American dream? And before I play the clip, because they went around the table, and you can already, uh, already kind of guess that Eleanor is the stupidest. Isn't that her name, oh, Eleanor? She's, she's, she's yeah, a, Eleanor. She's an, an idiot. idiot. Ugh. She reminds me of like someone's mom. I wouldn't like Eleanor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, she's like the mom. Someone's mom <laughs> you wouldn't don't like. like. <laughs> That's a good observation. I like it. Yeah. What is the American dream, John? Just getting by, or you want me to tell you what the American dream is supposed to be? I would love to hear what the American dream is supposed to be, according to Jean Claude Debarac. But that you have you you you're in, a, in an environment where there's so much freedom that you can make anything out of your life that you want to, and you can be extreme as successful as you as you have a desire to be, to the point where you could be Bill Gates and a billionaire. Here's the McLaughlin Group. What is the American dream today? Has it been redefined as a result of the financial slowdown? Pat, the American dream is the belief of each and every American growing up. That if he studies and he works hard and he gets a job and he stays out of trouble, he can just get by. He will be able to build a good life for himself, his <laughs> wife, his family. That life will get better and better gradually. There may be some bumps, but at the end of it, his children will have even a better life, John. Is that uh, the definition of the American dream, John? So basically, not by any standards I've ever heard. Just, that's just a, that's a just getting by. Definition. Play by the rules and you know, read a lot, read a lot of books, do what you're told, <laughs> and then at the end of it, at the end of your human resourcefulness, then you die and your kids have it a little bit better. Of course, adjusted for inflation. And that's exactly the same. So that's incorrect. That is not the American that dream. That was Buchanan. Yes, that was Pat Another Buchanan. Douchebag, apparently. Yes, t- total douchebag. The oh, American uh, dream is not being redefined, but what is happening is it is being postponed <laughs> for tens of millions of Americans for the last three years. Hold, hold the phone. The American dream is being postponed. <laughs> and for some Americans, I think it has been canceled. <laughs> no American dream for you. No. You might not have an American dream. No American dream for you. We've canceled your American dream. Go home. American dream Nazi. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's him. Okay, now, the mom everyone hates. ...defined in the sense that it's less materialistic, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think people are looking for... It's been redefined as less materialistic. It's not necessarily... Redefined by who? By Eleanor. No, by Obama. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> more meaning, and I think there's more individuality. And uh, this notion that you have to do better than your parents, and I think that's fallen by the wayside. Yeah, because we're, we're getting crushed. And I think a lot of young people may feel liberated. They don't necessarily have to follow their father's path and earn more, and they can find their own way. So, I mean, I don't think it's all that depressing, and uh, I think the numbers you what? put on the screen show that people are redefining the um, American dream in a way that they feel comfortable with, and they're optimistic. I think that this is not a pessimistic uh, society that we live in. Okay, let's just check with our uh, uh, panel of experts. Uh, Jean-Claude Duarte, uh, El- Eleanor says uh, the American dream has been redefined to just getting by. That's not a bad thing. Is that correct? Or uh... Now let's move to the new chick who could be hot if she lost 20 pounds. Uh, Beth, welcome. Thank you. What do you think about this? Well, the dream has been redefined. It's no longer the singular collective vision. It's much more personal. And the traditional milestones of the recent past, like a nuclear family, you have to be married, have children. Excuse me. John, uh, do you have a nuclear family? They're not irradiated yet. What does that mean, the nuclear family? It means a husband, a wife, and two kids. Where does the term come from? Where does the term come from? Uh, I, I, I've heard it all my life, but I don't know where it came from. Children, uh, get a college degree, own a home. Those have all gone by the wayside. All gone. Wayside. Now it's- wayside. All gone. Not necessarily. Everything goes by the wayside. It's all gone. Guys. It's all gone. Much more meaning over materialism. No materialism. Just meaning. Um, here, uh, can I have a loaf of bread and I'll give you two ounces of meaning for that? Instead of <laughs> I'll finan- give you a bunch of meaning here's for the bread. A, here's some meaning. Success, it's about having a financial safety net. And instead of a nuclear... Oh, fa- socialism. Yeah, it's not about success, it's about having a, a safety net. Family, it's about broader social relationships. So I, I think also Networking. it's really... Facebook. A new do-it-yourself American dream. Ah, it's the new do-it-yourself American dream. Well, I don't have to ask our panel of experts. I'm just going to say, no, you're wrong. Now, the black guy. Who's the black guy in the panel? I like him. He, who's he? He's, uh, he's a good I guy. Think if it's, he's a round-faced guy. Wait a minute. Let me guess. Is, it, is he the token Republican? Is that the idea? I, you know, no, he's not. The, he's kind of a, he's a independent Democrat, a little liberal on the liberal side, if I'm not mistaken. Page, I can't remember his name. All right, let's listen. David, play him. Let's listen to him. But it is an American dream. Oh, it is. It's alive and well, and it's important to Americans of all ages. Oh, I'm sorry. The American dream of socialism and Facebook is alive and well, according to Beth. What do you think of Beth's answer? Well, I think I think that's fascinating, and I, I agree with it 100. It's, it's interesting. I think uh, uh, it's become a cliche to talk about the internet era, but you know, the internet era has brought about more individualism and more individual abilities. Uh, to me, the American dream, in one word, is opportunity. Now that I like. That's the American. Would you not say, John? That's a good definition of the American dream: opportunity. Yeah, yeah. opportunity. Okay, we're going to give him a little. Uh, very good there. That's what has kept more people coming, wanting to get into this country than, than, than wanting to leave. And like Pat said, it's not a question of uh, of uh, you having guaranteed results, but you have the opportunity to succeed if you work hard and get ahead. Okay, so now now in the script, John. So now we have the last guy in the table making some sense. What do we do as the Curry Dvorak Consulting Group? What do we have to do if we have to propagate the message of just getting by? Well, we have to give it back to the host who will somehow uh, summarize it in a way that 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 you that the powers that be want it. We summarize the message in such a way that it, it nails nails down the answer. Um, but do we need a transition. 
Was somebody going to interrupt? Of course. I wonder who that would be. Give it a shot. Well, if I was just setting, if it's page yakking away, uh, Buchanan likes to interrupt on, uh, he's like the interrupting guy. But uh, since he's, I, I'm, sh- I'm looking at this layout in my head, and I would assume that he's sitting next to, to uh, McLaughlin and Eleanor sitting next to him. So Eleanor might butt in. No, no. Uh, uh, Buchanan is uh, one removed from uh, McLaughlin. Yeah, Buchanan's on the right-hand side at the bottom. Yes. Eleanor is across from him, and then Paige would be sitting next to, remember, uh, what's we, his name? And then the pretty, almost pretty girl is always sitting next to uh, McLaughlin, McLaughlin yeah. on, the, on his left. It's funny how that works. That's kind of the way your shows work. Uh, I always set things up a certain way. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's Buchanan, of course. Uh, yeah, who, of course. Buchanan yeah. is the interrupter. Yes. How much of our politics is shaped by whether or not that dream is really alive for people or not. That uh, you know, if you don't have equal education, can you have equal opportunity, for John, example? I, Issues I, like John, that. I think everybody's making sort of the same point. What I've described. <laughs> That's how you do it. Everyone's making the same point. <laughs> the point is. Oh, that is good. That is good. It's nice, isn't it? That's, that's the writers. Yeah, that's, that's a good that's job. That's a good job, the right. Whatever dream. anybody says, you, 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 you normalize it where the, the interrupter comes and normalizes everything. And then if it's going to be wrapped up, then, then McLaughlin would uh, have a summary. Here it goes. But part of the American dream is freedom. It's the same thing oh, that freedom. Clarence means when he says opportunity. The freedom to live the kind of life, the alternative lifestyle. Alternative lifestyle. If you're gay... Isn't that what he's saying? What is alternative lifestyle? Where did that come from all of a sudden? No one from talked him, about it. When he says it, it means gay. Yeah. That you described and all the mm-hmm. rest of it. Mm-hmm. Those have always been there, but there's no doubt more and more tens of millions are rejecting the traditional American dream for what they see as their own personal if, dream. Uh, if Americans are remaining, and I think uh, you indicated this, Beth, personally confident, mm-hmm. notwithstanding the circumstance, personally confident, Right. How does this translate? Right, and then he moves on. So uh, nice wrap up. I think McLaughlin could have done a, uh, a go to break wrap up, but they didn't have a break scheduled there. Then they just pulled that into how does Mitt Romney translate to that, which is was useless. Uh, but there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is the American dream uh, as has been redefined by the president. In the end, the folks and ruined by the gays, the by the way, if you didn't Mike. notice that what Buchanan said was was kind of a, a, a hit job on gays and their alternate lifestyle having something to do with this. You know, they if you noticed it. Yeah, well, that's why he brought up. That's why I even stopped the clip of the alternative yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, the gays yeah. ruined it all. So somehow the gays are ruining it for everybody. Damn, some, damn In some gays. subtle way. I don't know how he managed to pull that off, but it's what, that's the message I got. Yeah, well, it, I think it was intended to, uh, to project that way. And uh, he's absolutely right. The gays are to blame for everything. In the end, the folks I hear from in letters or meet when I travel across the country, they aren't asking for much. Mm-mm. They're just looking for a job that covers their bills. Yeah. They're looking for a little financial security. Just a little They want to know net. that if they work hard and live within their means, yep. everything will be all right. It'll be okay. They'll be able to get ahead and give their kids a better life. That's right. That's the dream each of us has for ourselves and our families. That's right. Every single night I go to sleep and that's the dream I have of just a little security net. Uh, just, uh, just, uh, I just want to work really, really hard. Hey, wait a minute. I'm actually living the American dream, aren't I? Well, you're just getting by. Yeah. There in Austin. <laughs> Had to move to Texas. Had to, Well, I'm liking it here. I got a lot of, there's a lot of interesting people in Texas. Oh, yeah. No, Texas is loaded with characters. Uh, and no one talks like, 
No one talks with a Texas drawl here, by the way. Not so much. Austin is pretty much the most yeah. cosmopolitan of all the cities. Well, actually, the most cosmopolitan technically is Dallas. But in terms of being a, a kind of a liberal uh, college town cosmopolitan, that style, Austin has it, and it's, and it's been so internationalized that there's very little of the, especially a Texas accent who talk no. through their teeth. Not too much of that there. You get that in Fort Worth. No. And, uh, and there's a lot of uh, interesting... Uh, technology companies, startups. Have you been in any of the bars in, in the downtown area? No, uh, Mickey is going to take me because um, she's bar been, hopping. She's been bar hopping. There's actually this one little area where people go to eat, and uh, I forget the name of it, but uh, it's this little kind of enclave, like a little hippie enclave right off of, uh, I think it's off of 6th Street, actually. And uh, so there's these, these little bars where you kind of sit outside on the terrace, and they have all the food trailers, the food trucks. Oh, this is different. I haven't been there since that began. Yeah, it's very cool. So you 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 know you you select your cuisine, and uh, then you basically <laughs> cuisine from the food truck. It's, no, it's good. By eating. the way, this, if does somebody if somebody doesn't look back on this as a depression item, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I know we had to live, we had to eat off the food truck, to select our for cuisine a of years, <laughs> but the price was good. It was excellent. <laughs> It, no, it was. It's really nice. Uh, she drove me through the area, although it was you know no one was there because it was uh, like uh, eleven a.m. And uh, and so you select your cuisine and then you uh, walk back and you sit down and the bars there are basically bars and so you get the food from the food truck and then uh, these terraces and it, it's like you know wooden like buildings and not shacks but it's a kind of a little hippie enclave. Uh, it's just a very small street. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Maybe someone in the chat room will know. Um, and it's really cool, and uh, and and it's uh, it's a it, yeah, it's a good vibe, very good vibe. And everything, yeah, sure it is. And I'm everything sure else is uh, is they a know mall. How to cook in Texas. Everything else is a mall here. <laughs> There's a lot of malls. <laughs> and I'm t- and Mickey can't handle the mall. She is not a mall person. Is it one of the big? Do they have one of the big giant monster malls? Uh, mega mall. One. One. What do you mean one? <laughs> It's like that's what it is. Everything is a monster mall. Oh, it's it's frightening. You go. Christina wanted. She she came for a couple of days. She wanted to go to uh, Forever Twenty One, which is like a uh, you know, really cheap clothing shop, which is really cheap here in Austin. The prices are unbelievable. And uh, uh, so we went to the what was the name of it? Like the Rock Creek Mall or something. Oh, they got we got us an Apple store here. So I bet you'd be very, un- you seem like the type of person who'd be very uncomfortable in a mall, well, let alone, but even though you're blaming it on Mickey. Um, I'm okay with malls. I'm all right with that. It's, I find it very handy, you know, you just go and just do stuff. I almost bought a pickup truck, by the way. Oh, I was so close. Oh yeah. You have to have a pickup truck if you live in Texas. Actually, you have to have a pickup truck no matter where you So live. there was a 2001 Dodge Ram with the big block with the extended cab. And it had like you know fat tires, was jacked up a little bit. The dual exhaust, uh, it you know it was, it was black, which is not that good necessarily because you know it gets really hot here. Tinted windows, um, but it, it was high miles, one hundred seventy four thousand miles. Yeah, and I'm like, that's a lot of miles. I'll tell you, for pickup trucks, we had one. Uh, we bought <laughs> it at about one hundred seventy five thousand miles and took it to three eighty. Yeah, I, I'm sure you can do that, but uh, the guy wanted, uh, yeah. he wanted, uh, first he said he, it was seven, 
Yeah, it's too much. I'm telling you, the weird thing I about thought, I thought five is they and a hold half. their value. Yeah, they gr- they grind out tons of miles. I thought I, I thought five and a half was a reasonable price for that. Yeah, that but, sounds right. But he he wouldn't go lower than six and a half. I'm like, okay, brother. Yeah, I just walked away. But it looked the part. It looked so awesome. Oh my god, it had a you know that sound like. A, yeah, nine miles to the gallon. <laughs> Just getting by, brother. It's, yeah, how much am I driving? I mean, I'm sitting watching C-SPAN all day. It's just in case I have to go run an errand. You know, and Maybe I want to get feel, some two by fours. Yeah, throw them in my in my cat in my, in my uh, what do you call it? What throw them in it? the uh, in the bed it? in the bed in the bed, and I need to put a gun rack in. Oh yeah, definitely. Got to get me a gun rack. Uh, Just a couple wooden guns. So you're saying, uh, so 174,000 miles is not too much. The only thing is uh, the price was just too much. I felt the price was too high. Well, you know, it's you're going to get a feel for it after a while. I mean, our pickup truck is a wreck, so I got to just get rid of it and get a new one. But uh, they just amazing at holding their value. Everybody has, you know, pickup trucks are just, it's a different animal than cars. Yeah. And generally speaking, if they're well-maintained, they put you can put a lot of miles on them because they never really put up high-performance engine, and they put a kind of a clunky, you know, grind right. and grind grinding engine that just runs forever. Right. Well, I'll find something. Yeah, Some, I'm sure. This week I'll find something. But, you know, I just don't... What do you need a pickup truck for? So, what happened to the... You, you're you're going to sell the Range Rover and the... Uh, no, the Saab uh, is sold. Oh, it is? Yeah, the Saab is sold. Uh, and the Range Rover, we drove out here. Right, you're going to sell it or you're going to keep it? No, I mean, I just put another two grand into it for the suspension, remember? Oh, right. Yeah, no, no, no. Are you kidding me? No, I mean, my budget is... Did you find a guy that can work on those things? Yes, yes. We got a guy who can work on it. So we're good there. Well, the good thing about Austin is is it's international enough that they have probably, you know, a specialist for almost every car. They do have a specialist. Except they don't have a lot, unless unless the car is so unpopular that they can't support the guy. So what I also could do is I saw a a 2001 Range Rover, identical to the one we bought, for $5,500, much higher miles, 104,000 miles. uh, But it still has the air suspension, so I know that's going to break. But I'm thinking if I get two of them... Then if the apocalypse hit, when the apocalypse hits, I can always have one running all the time with the parts from the other. <laughs> that's a good yeah, thought. Yeah, that's the way to go. Don't you think that's an idea? Uh, <laughs> all right, I wanted to get, get a in. bicycle. Uh, <laughs> wait until you see the hill the truck couldn't get up. I ain't, I ain't going to be driving no bicycle on that, brother. Um, NPR, our national treasure, as we get closer to uh, business models here, uh, just like CNN, where they're rolling out the vacuum sale, the vacuum cleaner sales guy. Um, they apparently felt it was necessary to uh, run ads for uh, our military, uh, particularly for the Air Force, and did a whole piece about. Well, can you guess what it is? Uh. No, I have no idea. Oh, come on. A military ad? Yeah, and they're recruiting a specific type of person. Uh, computer junkies. Yeah, and why would they be recruiting computer junkies? For to drive, drive drones. Yes, indeed, John. Win, lose, or drone. That's right. If you have glasses, if you just like playing computer games, you are perfect. So come on down. 
Uh, so here's the NPR piece. This is Titan 1-4. No signs of life. Today, like the Wright brothers, the Air Force is still trying to convince people that what they do isn't science fiction. Titan 1-4, hold your position. That's literally the tagline for this Air Force recruiting ad. Unmanned aircraft is identifying enemy sniper. It shows a robotic aircraft scanning a desert landscape with a camera that looks like a bright red eye, alerting troops on the ground of a nearby sniper. Thanks, Reaper 1-1. We got it from here. The message on the screen, it's not science fiction. It's what we do every day. Back at the Air and Space Museum, there's an exhibit featuring planes a lot like the one in the Air Force ad. You've heard them called drones, though the Air Force doesn't like that term much. They call them remotely piloted aircraft. So they have this whole piece, and that was the entire commercial, by the way. I have the commercial as well. It's 30 seconds, so she just told you what was on the screen. So they played the commercial, and then they bring in the recruiter. What does come next? Singer says not a single Western aerospace company has a manned combat aircraft in research and development. The Air Force says it now recruits more pilots for unmanned planes than fighter and bomber pilots combined. The MQ-1 Predator is the military's main workhorse. In September 2001, the Air Force had one. Today, they have 57 Predators flying 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. To boob on you. We wanted to know what these changes mean for the men and women in uniform. Yeah, we were so curious about that. Gee, that's the investigative reporting NPR does. Wow, you know, what does this mean for recruiting, you know, your main business? Could you please tell us in this free commercial? I am Major General James Poss. I'm the uh, Deputy Chief of Intelligence, Surveillance, and Reconnaissance for the United States Air Force. POS helps oversee the Air Force's surveillance programs, which mostly revolve around drones. It's a program that's grown dramatically in just the last few years. Take this story from a couple years ago. POS was speaking to a group of new Air Force officers in Alabama, trying to get the crowd fired up. Fired up! I asked how many folks were going to fly transport aircraft, big cheer. Uh, How many folks wanted to fly uh, fighter aircraft, huge cheer. (laughs) Uh, Then I asked them, well, who wants to fly the single most effective weapon system in the global war on terror in the United States Air Force. Who wants to fly the single most effective weapon against the war on terror in the United States Air <laughs> what Force? A, what a line. Who wants to fly that? It's like written. Go, yeah, go, he practiced that one. You want to go kill some terrorists, son? Do you want to fly that because you're really going to get a boner when you can pull the trigger? Who wants to fly the MQ-1 Predator? The MQ-1 Predator. Not only was there silence, uh, there was a couple boos. Uh, but this was about. Poss uh, knew how they weird. felt. He joined the Air Force in May of 1992 for the same reason. Now let's humanize it. He wanted to be a fighter pilot, but it wasn't long before he found out he needed glasses. So, son, if you can't be a fighter pilot, don't worry about it because if you wear glasses, we're looking for you. You got those Coke bottle bottom glasses, son. You're good to fly our Predator drones. So, uh, had to go with Plan B. With plan B. Which was to be an intelligence officer. (laughs) It's been almost as much fun as being a fighter pilot. But an Air Force recruit today might not need a plan B. That's right. You don't need a plan B if you're a recruit, son. Remote aircraft pilots don't need perfect vision. They don't have to worry about getting airsick. The job has become more popular with recruits. This is great. This is me. You don't have to worry about getting airsick. You don't have to worry if you can't see. This is fantastic. In fact, the Air Force now has a career path specifically for drone pilots. Uh, There's a career path. They're still looking for the same qualities. Spatial awareness, Mm -hmm. quick critical thinking skills. Yes. Still, flying drones is different. Yes, this is fantastic. 
John, how much do you think that ad was worth to NPR? No, I don't know. That that whole, that's got to be, that placement for something that long has to be about a couple hundred grand, it seems to me. I think they did really, really well on it. Played the commercial, had the guy, had the recruiting message, had everything in there. It was like Mark Bunting should have done that piece. (laughs) Today on Bunting's Windows, we talked to, yeah, I want to tell you something about the Predator drones. You don't need a plan B anymore. All you need is to... uh, is to just, uh, hey, come on, but you got spatial awareness? You, you, know, you know what's around you? Look over left. Yeah, you got spatial awareness. This, yeah. this brings up something. That I didn't get a clip from it because I just was just too boring, but it does bring up this point. I was watching the, you know, where you were watching C-SPAN. I was watching the Pentagon channel. Yeah. I have that and, somewhere on my box. I haven't found yeah, it yet. Yeah, the Pentagon channel's on there. It's actually quite good. Uh, for I mean, there's a military channel which is a commercial that show a bunch of stuff about Hitler. But the Pentagon channel is actual government. <laughs> it's the propaganda. Hitler channel is what it's called. The Hitler the channel. Hitler channel. <laughs> yeah. So I'm watching this special on the Warrior Zone. <sighs> oh. And the, yeah. And the fir- the first one was opened up at Fort Riley. It was a big deal. It just opened up in September. And uh, the, and they're going to open ten more according to the guy who's putting these things up. And I think it's some private company. I haven't. I've got their name. Some is a bunch of initials. And what they've done is at the various uh, military facilities, they've set up this huge, uh, basically Dave and Busters. What's a Dave and Busters? Dave and Busters or a DMB. The Dave and Busters, or you should check one out once in a while when you, see, you drive by them all the time on the freeway. Dave and Busters are, is essentially the the next generation of Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Which is what this warrior zone is kind of like. And essentially, it's a huge, spacious nightclub filled with uh, computers. Video video games. Video games, computers. But these are all networked, so they can play network games, which is the big deal nowadays. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know about it. This started in Florida, didn't it? Isn't that where Dave & Buster started out? I think Dave and Buster's. Well, Dave and Buster's. I don't know if they have the network stuff. Well, the war, the, no Warrior Zone that started. Warrior Zone. So wherever Fort Riley's in Kansas, so that's the first one. Mm. They may have had some other kind of uh, test testing facilities in Florida, but so, this so one's these, in, these are not these are not arcades. These are uh, recruiting uh, offices. No, no, this is for the soldiers. This is on base. Oh, oh. there's no recruiting involved. This, this oh. is a this is a rec center. Oh. And they have a, a, a cafe selling, a, you know, good food, nice. yogurt. And, and they have, <laughs> yogurt. <laughs> and they have all these uh, good these, food, these things. And these guys go in there and they play basically war games. They're playing, uh, you know, because they're showing. And I think that this is one of the ways that they're going to be. Because rec- I think at some point the army is going to be just like the rest of these guys. And they're going to say, look. Everyone had look is what they're going to say. Look, look. let me be they, clear. They, every all these, you know, every one of these branches of the military have got these drones. So, you know, the Air Force, the CIA, which is the the fifth branch of the military, remotely I guess. Remotely piloted vehicles, John. And these drones, remotely piloted vehicles, you can, by having these these Aircraft. different events and having tournaments and all this sort of thing in the warrior zone, you probably identify one or two thrillingly good video game players that you can pull out just like the only, which is I think the only reason the movie The Last Starfighter has never come out a second time like every other movie in the world. The Last Starfighter was a, was a, was a movie about, you should, if you've never seen it, you should watch it. This should be on our list of movies to watch. You, you're, uh, a, it was a kid that was playing some video game that nobody could beat and he beat the game and the next thing you know, the aliens grabbed him and said, you're our new general. 
took him into outer space because they were in some battle with some other alien force. You win. This kid was so good at the video game. I think that 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 is the model for the Warrior Zone. There you have it. Meanwhile, while our next crack potty, yeah. it should have been after the donation. No, segment, no, no. I, I figured we have done by now. No, I put it into the donation segment because I want to show that we, if we, what we just did, what we're just discussing, and if we'd had that that monotone guy on, we could have made a hundred grand, two hundred maybe. Yeah. Instead, I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh yeah, that'd be fab. So uh, we have a few donors that came in uh, to help us. A couple of new ones, too. Oh. Jose Geddes in Montijo, Portugal, I believe. Um, and I think it's pronounced Geddes, but the Portuguese names are pronounced differently than you'd Guedes. think. Guedes. Uh, our original, uh, so it says, uh, I live in Portugal, a.k.a. Gitmo Nation Fado. Yep. Been a regular listener since show one. So mm. the first thing I really need is a big de-douching. You've been de-douched. He actually asked for a, a de-douching. He asked for a de-douching, and a lot of people <laughs> don't spell douching right. Uh, it's a good, he needs some karma because he's currently between oh. jobs and waiting to know if he's got a new job in Gitno Nation Kaduro All right, let's give and Gola. Let's give him some, oh, wow, There's some karma. You've now. got karma. Sorry, I could have done a double shot, but I didn't know. So, uh, if you get to Angola, <laughs> we got, stay in touch. <laughs> we got a meal. Uh, Marty Toivaka. Toivaka? Toivaka? Toivaka. Is he from Turkey? And Turku. Oh, no, that's Turku. Is... Gitmo Nation, for, formerly known as Nokia Land. This is oh, uh, uh, Finland. Finland. Mm-hmm. Now Euroland. Please send Carmen to my friend who is recovering from blood cancer, and please expose Stephen Elop as the mole of Microsoft, who he is. <laughs> okay, so we'll call him a douchebag. Douchebag. And now your friend uh, recovering from cancer, some karma. You've got karma. Some cancer karma. It says it's a trend. Google buys Motorola, Microsoft buys Nokia. We're screwed here, but at least we have some reindeer meat left when Nokia and Euro are gone. Hail the foot. Can I make an observation that that uh, I held a Windows phone the other day? Mm-hmm. Not bad. No, I've, I've discussed this in print. I think the problem with the Windows phone, you have to read my column about how I believe it's the tiles that are the issue. Tiles are very difficult to navigate as opposed to icons. When you take your phone and you start looking for icons and colors and all this as opposed to big square tiles, mm-hmm. you'll find the phone easier to use. Insofar as the phone itself is concerned, the Windows phone is very slick. And snappy. And it's very slick and very snappy. The <laughs> one problem they seem to have is, for one thing, they have not seeded these phones. Yeah, they haven't, like, given them to people like us. Yeah. Yeah. Like Normally, Google, these like companies, and I'm going to tell people about this, this is just a fact. They throw these phones into the ether, saying, here, use one of these phones and try it for a while and see what you think. And because the phones are only, you know, they, they, they go out of inventory so quickly, it's not really costing them anything. So they, generally speaking, the smart money peppers the phones all over the place. So everyone who's writing or blogging, they all get a free phone, which is one of the reasons you want to do this kind of thing. And then you get the phone and you like it, you may say something good or, or, or if there's a debate, oh, that phone stinks. No, I've used that phone. It's not that bad. Right. Just like Adam just did. Well, I, I just but held they, one. But, but these people at, at uh, Microsoft are idiots. Uh, 
you know, there's another way we could make money. They could give us a phone and, uh, I don't know, $10,000. And we could say, hey, John, what did you think? Let's just try this out. Wow, this phone is so cool, Adam. These tiles, man. I've never man. seen anything like you it. You were so wrong about the tiles. I found them, find them so easy to navigate. I was wrong. <laughs> Check, please. We can Carl do it. Carl Barron and Malmo. Uh, no agenda karma is powerful stuff. My last dose got me laid. <laughs> Whoa, I got to be careful with that button then. By the way, I want to mention Jose gave us 142.56, 142.56. Marty gave us 127.36. And Carl, the guy who just got laid, got, gave us 124.07. The most uninter- yeah, the most uninteresting number in the universe. Which is the most uninteresting number in the universe. And we're going to put a special link to people who, because look, apparently you can only get laid, you can get laid from the karma, give the 124.07 and then. <laughs> but it's the 124.07 get laid karma. As it supposedly only lasts a week, here's to another week of good karma. Greetings from Tokyo, which has recently been neglected by the earthquake machine. You can give him another karma and see what happens. All right, pull down your pants, buddy. Here it comes. You've got karma. Send pictures. <laughs> and we hope for another one, two, four. It's going to cost you 124.07 from now on. It's a lot cheaper than a hooker. Using karma to get laid is a bit of an abuse. It's a lot cheaper than a hooker. Candace Blaney in Toronto, Ontario, one, two, three, four, five. Howdy, John and Adam. Been listening to the show for about a year, and it's high time I stopped being an undouched boner <laughs> and stopped being a thoroughly cleansed donor. In right. addition to the one, two, three, four, five slash $133 Canadian. Yeah. Really, I thought we were still on the other side of that. I will also dutifully maintain the $5 a month from here on out. My sister, Caroline, who introduced me to the show, remains a large boner. <laughs> Give her a douchebag. <laughs> douchebag. But I love her anyway. Big changes all around for our family this year, so please send us some karma. I have to laugh, laugh every time I hear Adam mention the Hill Hammers clip clopping. Clippity clop, clippity clop. The Clydesdale give her, give her karma. Clop. Yeah, of course. Car- Whoa. Holy moly, that was a hard one. You've war. got karma. Sorry, uh, my karma levels are off. That was- Apparently her, uh, when she was younger, I guess the principal's office in our elementary school was near the classrooms and when you heard the clip clopping coming down the hall, you knew somebody was in trouble. Thanks for making uh, my time at the gym both hilarious and informative. I'm telling you that the, the, that's what Hillary Clinton, she's like the principal. She comes clippity clop, clippity clop, clippity clop. You know you're in trouble. You know you're going to get droned. <laughs> we came, we saw. He died. Clippity clop. Uh, Mount Pleasant, Illinois, anonymous. Happy holidays from IT Ninja. Want to let everyone know that karma works. One twenty, one twenty-one. Uh, we also have apparently Candace came in again at one fifteen ninety-nine for something or well, other. Well, no, that, that was her Canadian. She's one thirty-three Canadian, and it turned out to be three hundred dollars U.S. Oh, oh, that must be it. <laughs> there you Middle, go. Another anonymous donor from Middletown, Rhode wait, Island, nine nine ninety nine. You missed Eric Brown. You missed Eric Brown. And Eric Brown, Felton, California, one hundred five fifty. Hey, Eric. Uh, I'd like to hand out some karma to bananas to bananas from the Rogan board and request that John and Adam appear on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. Joe Rogan is a Ron Paul supporter and overall cool human being with a comedy podcast that's constantly number one on iTunes. It'd be a great boost for the No Agenda show if that happened. You know, uh, people keep saying this. And I was like, yeah, I'll go on the Joe Rogan show. I like his podcast. I'd be happy to, but he doesn't invite me. 
Yeah, you can't just go on it. It's not like you, hey, you doing a podcast no, no, I want to be on today. No, we have the annual podcast meeting. Hey, uh, we, this, are you, this is the podcast meeting. I'm supposed to be on your show this week. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right, come on the podcast. It's not like a club. We're all like sitting together like po- like happy podcasters. Hey, you're going to be on a, uh, why don't you come on my show and you uh, do yours. Yeah, man. Shadi Hazazi in Damascus. Mm, wow. 48. Damascus, Thanks UK? Smiles is the best uh, way to jump out of bed to go to work on Monday mornings. Um, thank you. It's got something. I don't know. I can't. The rest of this. But wait a minute. Is he from Damascus? It says Damascus, UK, but I presume that would be Syria. Yeah, I would. But I think it's because the way uh, the way the PayPal operates, I think that's where it came out. I think. Hmm. I don't know. It seems like he's in Syria. Because he's got a uh, website uh, or something about hookahs in Syria. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying here. Hookers? I do know that 3923, which he sent us in pounds, is thank you, brother, in Japanese somehow. Okay, shoddy. Thanks. Greg Stone, Sir Greg Stone to you, is Rapid City, uh, South Dakota's night. Double Nickels on the dime. Uh, giving thanks for the bogative holiday <laughs> to you in the morning. If not skipped over, appreciate a plug for the Etsy store, etsy.com, E-T-S-Y.com, slash shop, slash Rory Stone, Sir Stone, Rory Stone.com, P.S. I'm 24 and plan on supporting this show as long as I can. Call call out all the douchebags listening who could do, who can donate but do not. Douchebag. Hank Weavers in Vafers. Vafers, as in vanilla wafers. <laughs> Nilla wafers. In later Nilla wafer wafers. Go ahead, try the, try the place. You can do it. In Loy Warden Frisland. All right, Leo Warden Frisland. I love the show. Just uh, give, give me some karma, please. I'm only donating when I give. The, when I can give the money, uh, continue with the real nice show, please. Thanks. You've got karma. Uh, Alex Zatis in Highland Park, Illinois, 50 bucks. Uh, longtime boner, short-time donor. Sorry for only being able to afford 50 bucks for my first donation, but I'm still slowly digging myself out of a hole dug for me by the elites. In fact, three years ago, I had a tooth pull with the intent of getting an implant, but I am gap toothed <laughs> to this day. Having, he needs some getting, no money to complete the procedure. He needs some getting laid, Carl. But I'd rather gum my food and <laughs> donate what little I have to you for all the entertainment value you have provided me. <laughs> Additional expression of my gratitude, and because it only cost me seven dollars and forty nine cents, I purchased the domain. Our formula is this dot com. Oh, cool! Which points to no agenda show. I should also use some serious karma in hopes that it makes the love of my life and best friend Sissy, who puts up apparently with a missing tooth, <laughs> wake up and realize that despite the obstacles that have plagued our relationship, which amounts to one point five hours in distance between us and my immaturity, he's, I'm a dude a, he, he's in all. jail. He's in jail. We truly are <laughs> meant to be together. Plus, it doesn't hurt that she is a hot Mexican milf. Oh wow! I get to do this. Milf. That's one mother I'd like to. You've got. Karma. <laughs> I love the gumming the food by donating to us. That's awesome, Sir uh, Peter awesome. Snakes in Amsterdam. Sir Peter, Sir Peter Totes in Sugarland, Texas. Fifty bucks each. Sugarland and Dame Tanya, oh. uh, fifty dollars uh, from New York City. Dame, Dame Tanya here. Hope you both had a great and re- re- delicious fake Thanksgiving. <laughs> I did a wild turkey, by the way, and I can report on it now. Uh, anyway, requesting a big shot of karma for a friend, Chris, who's making it through a really tough time. 
You've got before you Before you get into... Thank you very much, Dame Tanya. Before you get into uh, your turkey, do you realize that we went through an entire donation segment without anyone calling us out for our award-winning show? You mean... The greatest... All the kids know it, but no one said it during the donation. Yeah, it's segment. weird. Well, that'll happen once in a while. All right. All we right. didn't get a lot of donations. Let's face it. This is a show nobody <laughs> listens to. This is the worst two, uh, except Christmas, New Year's thing. That's going to be a disaster. We don't get a lot of money this time. That's why we kind of over push the people that do help us. Uh, anyway, so I had a wild turkey, mm-hmm. which was something to, you know, and it just like is not nothing that you'd expect. If for one thing, it had no. It had a real strong pheasant flavor. It had none of that turkey stench. Yeah, turkey, turkey, turkey can stench. smell. I agree. It can smell. No, bad. the cheaper yeah. the turkey, the cheaper the Safeway turkeys. Those big butter balls and all the rest. Those things stink. Yep. It's like it's like cheap, you know, farmed salmon. Farmed salmon stinks, stinks, and it oozes a white milk when you cook it. It's just a disgusting product, and so are these turkeys. This turkey. Didn't stink, and it had a. And even though it was a long, skinny bird with legs that are about three feet long, it was a milf turkey. It had a tilf. There you go. It had a large, long. It was a long, but it was a pretty good sized breast. It was a bigger breast than you'd think. Uh, a tilf, uh, but a it big wasn't breast. a big, fat breast. It was a uh, long, thin breast with a big nipple. And uh, you okay? <laughs> and uh, it was actually, and it cooks uh, regular, like a regular turkey, more or less. Or you, I, we cooked it breast side down, which is which you could do easily with this type of turkey. And uh, I always cook my 25, turkey upside 20, down. Twenty to twenty-five <clears throat> minutes a pound. They're ten pounds. They're not big. And this was stuffed, and it worked out fine. It was so actually many, a really minute, good bird. Twenty-five uh, minutes a pound, ten pounds. So you did uh, two hundred and fifty minutes. Actually, I did three hours. Because on another list is if you got a ten pound wild turkey, it's three hours. So uh, I had three twenty five. So at the Camp Mofo uh, we're we're renting, we have a double oven set up, which is outstanding. I have to. It's a Kenmore, which is like Sears brand. I'm like how good can this be? This oven is outstanding. It is so incredibly good. And uh, the day after Thanksgiving, fake holiday bogativeness, I did lamb with the broiler. Wow. This oven is great. Well, it could be. What's the? Did you have you normalized the temperature with an oven thermometer to make sure the thing is on the money? No, I haven't done that, but I will. Uh, you should. But it's brand new, so I, I, I guess it's. I guess no, it's they, be okay. they, they don't. Well, they is, there don't an, is there like an adjustment? Calibrate knob? them properly. Is there an adjustment? You just want to you want to calibrate it to make sure that your oven is at the right temperature. So when you're doing, I don't like to do you know these recipes, but there's when you do baking where it has to be really rigid with everything you do. You need to make sure those temperatures are accurate. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's your tip um, for the day. That's right. That's your tip, everybody. And thank you so much for those of you who did donate. It is, of course, highly appreciated. Good to see some knights and dames in there. They always come through on the tough days. They know what it's like when we're just trying to get by. Dvorak.org. Slash N-A. And remember, everybody, at uh, noagendanation.com, we have the uh, slash jobs for a human resource uh, locator, and we also have uh, the uh, hot, sexy uh, slave T-shirts on sale now, and the lanyards. <laughs> they have the new ones with the, with the female cut. Female cut with the lanyards. <laughs> lanyards. lanyards. I 
get an? Hey, do we ever get any money from Eric, or is he just selling that stuff and is he, is he like hoarding the money? <laughs> I never see like a donation from the shill saying, "Here's your money." No, actually, he's donated a couple of times, and he he says I that he says he do it, does he wants to do it semi anonymously. He just doesn't think it contributes anything to the show to you know to mention it, so he oh. doesn't. Okay, well, good, good. And now, John, it's time to hit our reality show. We can't wait. Right, the weekend wait show now has jingles. So yes, we can. <laughs> we have a. Uh, here's uh, what's going on. Moody's has now threatened a downgrade. It's a repeat of uh, last season. You remember last season on the weekend wait show, uh, we had the uh, we couldn't agree on uh, raising the debt ceiling, and of course at the very last minute, the very last hour, we came in and uh, well, we got the downgrade anyway. But the show was good; it was very exciting. And now the rating agency has issued a statement saying that uh, the congressional super committee's failure to come to a compromise on the U.S. dilemma deficit dilemma. Uh, could trigger a downgrade. So uh, we have about 37 days left, and we're just waiting for the president to come out and say, we can't wait. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue to cut payroll taxes. That's a pretty good sound effect, by the way. And uh, I'm going to uh, uh, raise taxes on uh, millionaires and billionaires. And that's what's coming next on We Can't Wait. We can't wait. We're doing it now. Do you remember that jingle it's from the seventies? Yeah, vaguely. So uh, I, I have to go back to the New York Times again. Oh well, then you might need uh, the jingle. Oh. Do you need the jingle or, or? Go ahead, play it. I think you need the jingle, man. John's gonna hum the Sunday Times. Yeah. There's a lot of memes in this paper. Uh, today, the top one is, which includes a photo of the guy looking off. In fact, he's, the photo of the guy's head is over. Ronald Lauder of St. Lauder is he's looking off. He's not. He's looking off the paper. It's a very. <laughs> That's not. You're thing. supposed to be looking into the paper. He's looking off the paper. That's interesting. A uh, family. And this is the big. This is the big headline and photo at the top above the fold on Sunday. And I think there's. I think the message here is that uh, it's either a message to the elites. Or it's a message to the, I think it's a combination message, but here's what the headline, you can figure it out. A family's billions artfully sheltered. Estee <laughs> Lauder airs tax strategy typify advantages for the wealthy. So what they're saying, there's two messages. One, to the to the slaves, these bastards, we have to jack up the taxes yeah. on these guys because they're cheating us. Yep. One. The second message, which is to the elites, is, look. This guy's getting away with it. You'll get away with it. Just let us raise Don't the taxes. Worry It'll about look it. good on paper. Yeah, we'll figure it all out. It's all going to be good. And then we'll just let, we'll just, you know, and don't worry about it. It's not going to really bring in any more money or anything. It's just going to look good. It'll, it'll, it'll quench the bloodthirst of the masses uh, to tax the rich when, we'll, you know, you won't really get any more taxes at all. It's a scam. You know, I had uh, in the show notes a couple shows ago, we didn't get to it. I have the number. Uh, the amount that people have donated by checking the box on their uh, tax return where you can just donate to reduce the deficit. Yeah. How much money do you think it is? $20,000 max? <laughs> Not quite that bad. No, like $3 million. Oh. 
<laughs> Three million. Thanks. Three million dollars. No, oh, oh, that'll nice. make a big dent in that fifteen trillion dollars or whatever it is we owe. <laughs> it's close. It's getting there. All right. Was that it for the Times? Is that no? Uh... There's a couple other things. Let me just say what's on. Here's how I'll just give you the whole front page. All right. The post uprising, a new battle. This is about Egypt and mm-hmm. what the Arab world, how's reshaping itself without yeah. mentioning Syria. Alberta is coming in. Yep. NATO strike kills Pakistani forces, raising tensions. This is a big bold face. Twenty five soldiers die. They're going to make, you know, we're going to have a we have a beef coming up with Pakistan. Well, you know so. why? You know why? Because they uh, uh, they're not doing business with China. Did you read that? No. What? Hold on a second. I'll find it for you. I, I filed it away under. Here we go. Uh, drone nation, actually. Pakistan and China are staging joint military exercises showcasing their relationship as Islamabad's ties with Washington suffer. So they're doing war games with China. Oh, yeah. That's not good. No I don't way. know why these countries don't get a clue. Yeah. Stay away from China, countries. <laughs> really? <laughs> to all countries bombed? To all, I mean, when we start the show, we should say, uh, in the morning, to all countries listening. <laughs> the whole country, stay away from China. <laughs> uh, NBA reaches a deal that's below the fold. Well, that's necessary. Uh, that, that's TV attack ads aim at Obama. Cross-party line, this picture of Hillary, which is priceless. I can't wait. And then the little blurbs at the bottom, which lead you inside, you always have a message in here. Perils of commerce in China, Mm. coincidentally, in the exact same opposite kitty corner to that that article about Pakistan. Uh, Apparently, if you do business in China, they'll kill you. (laughs) So it's basically what it says. Some poor guy (laughs) went over there, and it's just miserable for him. (laughs) Bomb kills 11 in Iraq. Two, and then they talk about the California Railroad fiasco. They're gonna oh, continue. yeah. They're going to do it anyway, though, right? Yeah, they don't care. Yeah. We're, California's Who so screwed crap? up, they don't give a crap. We got no money, so let's go spend some. And then the stealth giant of the gun industry, a, a whole story about some company, uh, the Freedom Group, which apparently has bought most of the gun manufacturers, the way uh, this works. You know, we have these companies like that. We talked about Diageo earlier. Mm-hmm. And they bought. If you go to the web, go to the wiki page and see what they own, and you'll go the Diageo company. You go, holy crap! Everything is owned by these guys. Yeah, they're big. They Holding companies. You know, they're, they're all over. You the know place. where their headquarters are? London. No. No. Hold on a second. Headquarters in the Netherlands. I think <laughs> they moved to London. No, I think they moved from London to the Netherlands. Oh well, that's possible. I think I would know about the Netherlands. Not necessarily. Remember my guy Eric, Taxi Eric? Did you ever did he ever transport you while you were over yeah, there? Yeah, he almost got us killed. Yeah, so his account is Diageo. That's that's yeah, okay, that's what he makes his money on is Diageo, <laughs> and then wow, and then running that's a big one. and then trying to kill my friends. That's what he does. Yeah, he was reaching around for something. <laughs> Fucking truck stopped dead in the road. I that's my man. Out. That's my man, Taxi Eric, <laughs> on the case. <clears throat> That's it? Uh, yeah, that's the that's the New York Times. John's gonna hunt the Sunday Times. Yeah. Here's something for you, John. And now, back to real news. Reports from the European Union. Uh, we've been very, very busy. We have the Eurostat, which does statistics of uh, Gitmo Nation Euroland. Who has the fattest women in the land? Mexico. No, in, in Euroland. Oh, uh, let's see. Um, doom, 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 
Oh, brother, mm. this is a good one. Uh, Who has... I'll go with, uh, I'll go with uh, Italy. No, the Italians yeah. are hot, baby. No, no, no. Yeah, no, but no, when no. they get to be 40, there's not it's so not, much. They looked at 19 countries. Come on, you can do it. Think about. Are you making me guess again? Yeah, why not? The fattest people in your no, in all women, of your, that women, the UK. Women, women, women. What did you say? That includes the UK. That includes the UK. Yes. Okay, UK. Very good. Twenty-four percent were recorded as being obese in the UK. Just over twenty-two percent of UK men are uh, classified as obese, coming second only to Malta. <laughs> Malta, are they in those the EU? fat asses in Malta? <laughs> Malta fat butts. Yeah, and this is the but this is the country. And I saw this happen. I lived there for five years. Remember, this was the thin white dude who was all pissed off and had a pitchfork running down the street. Though that was the Brits, and now they became all fat and and bloated because no one cooks anymore. They're all getting stuff from Tesco's. And they're eating salt and uh, and preservatives. Essentially, they're being you, uh, get monation east. You're killing yourself. But I have to say, I like me a Rubenesque woman. I'm okay with that. Well, yeah, and that sort of thing. Uh, my story of the week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that wasn't my story of the week, but okay. That <laughs> <laughs> okay. seems like it. Okay. Six-year-old charged with sexual assault for playing doctor. Well, we we talked about this on no, on no, Thursday. no. That was a different oh, story. Oh, oh, this is a different one for playing doctor. That's the that's the story where the two little kids kissed. Oh, little kid kisses, and now they want to hold him up for sexual assault. By the way, this is part of our our meme theme that we've talked about before, where nudity equals pornography. Now kissing equals sexual assault, and I saw. When they first started pushing the kissing as sexual assault was when all of a sudden some women's groups during some, it was one of the uh, uh, anniversaries of of VJ or VE Day, Mm -hmm. uh, Victory in Europe, when they had that picture that was on the front page of the Life magazine in 1945, whenever, 44, 45, Uh of the the sailor giving that woman a big kiss in Times Square. Yeah, it's a classic, sure. Yeah, it's a classic, and then they were saying this is just sexual assault, him (laughs) kissing her, and then the photographer, I guess who was still alive, came out and said, hey, this was staged three days earlier, you idiot. (laughs) Yeah, it's So they dropped the ball on that, but now they're trying to make it so a little boy kisses a little girl or a little girl kisses a little boy, now you have to be on the sex register. Register, register. Six-year-old Grant County boy has been accused of first-degree sexual assault after playing doctor with two five-year-old friends. Now, a federal lawsuit has been filed against the prosecutor who attorney says trying to force the boy to admit guilt. Can you imagine a little kid in court? (laughs) Attorneys for the parents of the six-year-old who's being referred to as D said the prosecutor, Lisa, Lisa Rineker, has gone too far by bringing a felony sex charge against a first grader <laughs> for touching a five-year-old girl inappropriately while playing doctor oh, last no. fall. Wow. What is wrong with these assholes? Really? Yeah, they're taking all the fun out of being a kid. That's how you learn about it. One of the articles said that the boy, if found guilty, would be put on the sex offender list when he turns 18. But how crazy is it that in primetime television we have people talking about vagina and penis all the time, but then when, when kids go to inspect it, you're a sex uh, fiend. 
At six, first grader, you're just looking around. You don't know anything. This woman should be arrested and thrown in jail for in the general in the general population (laughs) for being an asshole. Along with uh, who else did we throw in the general population? Forgot we threw somebody else in. Was that uh, Lieberman? Did we throw him in there? Lieberman. Lieberman. (laughs) Get in jail with Lieberman. What's her name? Just so we can. No, she has a number. Lisa now. Rineker. She's in Lancaster, Wisconsin. Throw There's her, a blog uh, entry. Dvork.org slash blog. General can, population. We're in with the general population. <laughs> she's, a, she's a disgusting person. Yeah. Yeah, that's wrong. That's what you're supposed to do when you're that young. You're supposed to, like, you know, and, you know, and then boys Sex usually go, like, at six. Yeah, boys usually go like, man, that's a He's a predator. He's a predator. Get him off the streets. But I just was looking. I was just looking. I don't know. Give me a break. Anyway, so this is my story of the week. Yeah, that's a... And those things are complicated, by the way. When you're like five or six, you're like, what does that thing work? What the hell are you doing? What is the... Look at this. (laughs) What is all this stuff? What happened to yours? (laughs) John. Oh, boy. Uh, my story of the week would have to be, uh, and this was passed around the interwebs quite a bit, um, the uh, discrepancy in Time magazine covers. Have you seen this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this went all over the place. Yeah, so uh, we have Europe, Asia, and South Pacific. Time magazine has uh, a uh, clearly a protester. Uh, it says Revolution Redux. Of course, this is about Egypt. Uh, and uh, and it's a guy with a gas mask and glasses, uh, like dark glasses, and looking pretty. You know, holding up his fist. You know, in the old Arab Spring fist there with a looks like he has an iron fist, like he has one of those Nintendo gloves on. And uh, in the United States, we have a sweet little drawing of a little dude with glasses, and it says, "Why anxiety is good for you." And um, I was wondering what your take was on this. About what? Why we have a different cover instead of Revolution Redux. Why do we get the little, why anxiety is good for you? Because they're obviously targeting the different audiences based on something. So, you know, they get the memo comes down for, from the from the intelligence agency. So, look, we don't want these people worked up about this. We got to do this. We got we got this has to be pushed. It's like it's like a conductor of a symphony. Oh. Trying to keep the horns, you know, don't, don't, don't play that so loud. I think it's, then, yeah, it's keeping us calm is what it's meant to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, just keeping us nice and calm and take your time. Don't worry about it. It's okay to have a little bit of anxiety. It's all fine. It's all groovy. Don't worry. Everything is fine. Don't look over there. Don't look at brown people with their fist up in the air. Please don't get any ideas. Just be calm. Take your meds. All will be good. Still no uh, form IRS form nine ninety from the Clinton Foundation. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure it'll be out any minute. Yeah, coming any day now. Um, there were a couple of interesting little science things. Let me see if we have the science is in. Um, apparently, in uh, Gitmo Nation lowlands at the Erasmus University in uh, I think that's Rotterdam. They have uh, created uh, a bird flu virus, <laughs> and people are rather worried about it. Ah. <laughs> yeah, Dutch scientists have created a flu virus, which is so deadly there's no doubt whether the research should be published. 
according to the Volkskrant, which is considered to be uh, a reputable newspaper, uh, although, of course, completely controlled by the elites. The paper says American experts are worried detailed information could fall into the wrong hands and that terrorists could recreate the virus as a weapon. The fears are notable because the work was carried out on behalf of the National Institute of Health in the U.S. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Because it's safe to do it over there. If it leaks out, it's only 17 million people. Not like here. You know, we we don't want the virus being built here. Yeah, it'll take out half of Europe. Yeah, well, so what? It'll get over here eventually. The research but by team. Then we'd have the vaccine. Yeah. Well, of course, this is what it's all about. The research team, led by Ron Fouchier, who sounds like not a Dutch guy, uh, professor of virology at Erasmus Teaching Hospital, was able to create a highly infectious variant of the bird flu virus H five N one. Good on you, Holland. Thanks. And um, here's another interesting: uh, the Al Qaeda and the Arabian Peninsula is uh, apparently collaborating with uh, Boko Haram. Have you heard have we talked about Boko Haram on the show? Yep. They're uh they're uh, what are they? Another terrorist group? Is it's it, a made up thing whatever it is. Isn't isn't that uh, uh Procol Haram who are who come back? New, it's the new spin-off group. They couldn't get the trademark cuz the one guy won't yeah, give yeah. it up. So. Yeah, so they so Boko Haram. <laughs> Boko Haram. <laughs> <laughs> a water shade of pale. Well, apparently, uh, Procol Harum and uh, Al Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula have developed a horrible virus uh, that is so lethal it is twice as deadly as cobra venom and is meant to be deployed by suicide attackers on some high target operations. So, what would happen? I mean, is vi- this is a poison or a vi- or a virus? What is? Well, it's a... Sounds like a poison. Well, actually, they call it a vaccine in this story. So I think what they mean is it's uh, it's in a uh, syringe. And the idea is you get... Uh, if you're at a Procol Harum concert, <laughs> all of a sudden the guy might jump off the stage and <laughs> stick you right in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's like curare where you can dip some blow, blow darts in it or something. Sources further confirm the uh, what they call vaccines are due to first be launched in West Africa and that the dreaded Nigerian-based group Procol Harum is the source of deployment. So be on the lookout for that. I'd say, uh, hey, countries, don't go to Nigeria. Don't do business with China. Don't go to Nigeria. And then, and then we have the, uh, what did the, uh, that large Hadron Collider cost? Was that like $5 billion? It was more than that, wasn't it? It was very. It was expensive. a huge amount of money. And the whole point was to find. Let me, the, let me look it up in the book of knowledge. Oh, please! Talking about. The book of knowledge. So this thing was intended to find the Higgs boson um, molecule. I think you call it a molecule or particle. Particle. No, it's a particle. Particle. Um. Well. I'm not quite sure what it cost. Uh, John's looking that up. And, of course, this thing runs all under Switzerland and into parts of, I don't know, it's all the whole thing is underground. It's like very expensive operation. Uh, now CERN, the European Organization for Nucle- Nuclear Family Research, physicists have raised the possibility that uh, Higgs boson, the particle that some believe gave the universe its form after the Big Bang, um, just might not exist. <laughs> 
uh, hey, you know, thanks for letting us build this really big thing. Uh, but it might be bogative. Higgs bogative. Ten billion dollars. Ten billion dollars for uh, the Higgs bogative particle. Higgs bogative. And here's what will interest you. Researchers said it might soon be clear whether the Higgs bogative is a chimera. Wasn't that your thing to look out for? Well, chimeras, are, there are people are chimeras. That's one of the things that you, there's a lot of, there's some studies that, which I think helps explain two or three phenomenons. Phenomena. Chimera is a human. It tends to be a, uh, twins in the womb where one of the twins literally absorbs the other twin and becomes a single it person it. when they're yeah. born it eats it but they have two completely separate sets of dna within them so why are they calling the higgs bogative a chimera that means it may not it may it, 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 it may be it was absor- be absorbed it may be so much part of another or not an organism, but another particle that it actually is not, doesn't really exist. It, it, got it, eaten. Was just, it was just theorized. It got eaten. It's like you can't say that a person that's a chimera that has the two sets of genes uh, is two people, and you can't separate the one out. There's no way. You can't okay. chop them oh, out of there. Right. I mean, I think this accounts for a lot of uh, transsexual operations where people just can't get over the fact that they're not the sex they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you see... Um, uh, Sonny Bono's kid, whatever his name uh, is, and uh, Ann Coulter. When you see anybody that you that is some, you know, they're they're naturally that sex, and it just so happens to be because they're chimeras. But I think it also might explain some DNA anomalies where people do a DNA test on somebody that got who's did something, and he's, but his DNA doesn't match, so you let him go. I think there's an issue there that gets needs addressing. Oh. Well, anyway, don't worry about it. Get your checkbook out. If Higgs uh, Bogative is not found. Uh, the researchers say we need to move on to explore the next set of possibilities. This, this sounds so like bullcrap to me. And I've always thought this thing was highly suspicious, this whole operation. And now it's like, oh, oh sorry, $10 billion later. Sorry, it might not exist. Uh, well, yeah, we tried. Yeah, we'll do what it doesn't. Hey, it? We, we tried. That's what really counts. So I think it's back to my theory that this is to create a Stargate. Anything I have a um, as a final clip. We don't have to play it. Um, Judge Napolitano did a great rant, like a four-minute rant. Oh, he always does those. But uh, yeah, we haven't played one for a while. It promotes his book, which is. You want to do it a, at the end of the show? If you want, yeah, let's do it at the end of the show, and then hit the. Uh, we will finish it that way. All right. You got anything else you want to do? Yeah, uh, I do have a couple yeah. things. I did wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Black Friday, which was the most promoted and also the most successful Black Friday, yeah. which is a sales day after Thanksgiving. I, when I was a kid, I never heard of this term. Uh, no, but there's a. They, I got two clips. One is we can skip, which is the woman going on and on about how great Black Friday was because it sold more eight percent more than last year. Uh, but the Macy's CEO talking about good deals, and this was on Bloomberg, the Macy's CEO is going on and on about good deals, and he drops this little thing at the end. I go, You're, this, this product actually exists, and it costs this much money? You'll see as you can pick it out of this little laundry list of products he, he plugs. Group, different customers here uh, at, the, at the second wave of shopping you know, this morning. Now, how promotional are you now? How promotional do you plan to be versus where you were before the recession? 
Well, you know, we are a promotional department store at Macy's, and so our, our focus is all about having great value, and we really concentrate on that. But it could be anything from a $6.99 pillow from Ralph Lauren upstairs or a $19.99 uh, uh, Rampage uh, boot for young women to a Justin Bieber fragrance at $65, but you're, the promotion there is you get a his uh, holiday uh, CD, you know, so... <laughs> I'm getting you that for Christmas. <laughs> Can you imagine? Sit, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. I, I, my jaw dropped when I'm listening to this idiot. $65. This is a good deal, by the way, by his standards. $65 Justin Bieber fragrance because fragrance, fragrance. he's a fragrance expert, obviously. And you can just imagine what he'd come and, up and with. And by the way, it's unisex. It's for, it's for boys and girls. For is Chimera. Yeah, for Chimera. Huh. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah, absolutely. I would have never guessed such a thing. Let me just check this out. Hold on a second. Justin Bieber Fragrance. Let's see. Uh, it's called Someday, the Irresistible New Perfume. Okay, <laughs> let's do the commercial. Hold on a second. Let me, let me bring up the page. This is from uh, JustinBieberSomeday.com. All right. <clears throat> Here we go. Oh, so. Someday by Justin Bieber. Uh, hold on a second. There's no information here. Oh, here's the fragrance. Hold on a second. I got to get the fragrance page. Here we go. Wow, it's quite a collection. This is really. This is. This looks really good. <laughs> let's good. see. Uh, Sixty-five dollars. You can experience. Uh, let's see. Hearts across the web. Oh, this is really. This is a. This is a good deal, baby. I'm telling you. I think Miss Mickey will love this if I show up. To, hey, baby. How yeah, you why don't you buy her that for Christmas? <laughs> That'll go over. <laughs> Wait, I think there's music to this uh, site. Hold on a second. Justin Bieber's Hearts Across the Web. Justin Bieber, Someday Hearts Across the Web. Come on, play. Go heart to heart. Hey, guys, to raise awareness and support Pencils of Promise, let's create the... <laughs> Pencils of Promise. <laughs> hey, Justin, I got a pencil of promise right here in my pants, buddy. Biggest digital chain around the world. Joining hearts is simple. Just upload your picture and invite your friends to do the same. If 500,000 people join the chain, give back brands who I've partnered with to make Someday, my fragrance, will help build over 50 schools. So join me and my friends with hearts across the web to make a difference. Pencils of Promise. Someday, from Justin Bieber. Hearts across the web. 500,000. We'll give you a pencil of promise. <laughs> He's like, here's a pencil. Cool. I got a pencil that Justin touched. This is the problem with America. We're all going to die because of this. Right here. This is proof. Yeah, it's pretty pretty bad. I think uh, this is a message for Eric the Shill. I'd like, uh, even though it's trademarked, I think we can get away with it. I'd like the No Agenda Pencil of Promise. We can sell that on the site. <laughs> a pencil. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a number two pencil. With yeah, no agenda. 10 bucks. Yeah, the No Agenda <laughs> Pencil of Promise. Come on, this is good. This is good stuff. Justin, Justin Bieber's doing it. Are you kidding me? This is good. This is very smart. Pencil of Promise. Exclusively from No Agenda. But wait. For 1995, we'll not send you one pencil of promise. We'll send you two pencils of promise. Just pay for separate shipping and handling. Anything right, else? So Anything that's else? The, that's the that's the kicker. I, I've got other stuff. But I think that's I'm not going to beat that. No, I don't think you can beat the pencil of promise. <laughs> the chat room has some good ideas about it, and I think they're into it. They say. Uh, <laughs> It has a a, a penis shaped eraser, and it's, 
<laughs> it's a pencil set for $33.33. <laughs> Stop chewing my pencil of promise. No, wait. Continue. <laughs> <She's> just... <laughs> I think we're good. <clears throat> All right, everybody. Those of you who donated... Thank you for not being boners and supporting us on the worst day in history for the No Agenda show. Uh, Eric the Shill is just, he's in the the back channel going, huh? He smells revenue. (laughs) Pencil of promise. (laughs) No Agenda producer update uh, coming up on the stream right after the show. Those guys, like, they think it's not only is it great to have no audience for the No Agenda show, they want an even lower audience for the producer update. <laughs> perfect, perfect. This is production, I tell you. Gitmo Slave and uh, Mr. Oil running the stream. Very uh, happy that they're doing that. Coming to you from Camp Mofo, where it's chilly and windy here in the center of the Lone Star State. My name's Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where it's, oh, it's not the best I've seen. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday, right here on No Agenda. What if a country that began with a free market has been transformed into a system of private ownership and government control? What if we went from an imperfect form of capitalism to an abominable form of corporatism? What if the government decided whom to enrich and whom to keep poor? What if individual economic interests didn't match the interests of the government? What if the government viewed a free market economy as a threat to its own interests? What if the government benefited most when it controlled the economy? What if we were living in an age of de Tocqueville's grim warning that a republic will crumble when the government learns to bribe the people with their own money? What if our economy were being suffocated not only by excess regulations, but also by an active attempt by the government to take over the economy, sector by sector? What if government bureaucrats grew stronger as the private sector grew weaker? What if the load-bearing walls of the entitlement state were buckling under the pressure of excess spending? What if the pillars of free enterprise were buckling under the pressure of excess taxation? What if the Occupy Wall Street protesters were being manipulated and pushed and prodded into expressing the basest feelings of greed, class envy and jealousy? What if they were being infiltrated by agents of the government in order to drive demonstrators towards increasingly radical, anti-capitalist and even violent rhetoric? What if the same government that was pretending to prosecute them really supported them? What if the government uses the angst these people have brought about to ratchet up the nationalization of our economy? What if the government could take any private property it wanted, so long as it paid a fair price? What if the government found ways to take any private property it wanted without paying any price? What if the government produced misleading reports so the economy appeared to grow when it really was shrinking? What if the government made the economy look good like it was growing by stealing money from people's earnings and savings just to fund more government spending? What if some of America's largest corporations were no longer profitable except when they received money from the government? What if government regulators were really bought and paid for and the regulatory scheme was really a facade to empower the regulators and enrich the people being regulated? What if regulations never really even protected you? What if they always served to advance the interests of companies rich enough to capture regulators, but not innovative enough to compete in the free market? What if the centralization of power in the hands of government never served to protect the people? What if regulations stole freedom and simply made it easier for those who didn't want to compete in a free market to use government force to maintain their dominance? 
What if we didn't need the government in order to have a healthy economy? What if we could have an economy based on the free market, where the voluntary exchanges of goods and services drives all economic activity? What if we were free from government fiat and manipulation? What if free people could shun the government's economy in favor of a free market they cultivate outside the purview of government? What if our money had real value? What if the federal government decided what time of day it is? What if the federal government made it a law that you had to change every clock in your house whenever it told you to do so? What if the bureaucrats forced you to change your clock so that your children had to walk home from school in the dark? What if we were a nation of sheep who just accepted all this? What if Democrats weren't the only ones who thought they could manage the economy? What if Republicans claimed that they could manage it too? What if almost all Republicans and all Democrats really believed in big government? What if all the major Republican presidential candidates have indicated they believe that they can best manage the economy, except for one of them? What if that one says that if he were elected, he wouldn't manage the economy at all? He'd turn it over to the free choices of free people. What if the elites in banking and government and in both political parties feared this candidate and didn't want you to hear from him? What if he were actually elected president? What if we were free again? What if the whole purpose of government was to negate freedom? What if freedom was a myth? What if the Constitution meant nothing to the government? What if everything the government has or owns or controls has been stolen? What if I'm right? What if the government is wrong? What if it's dangerous to be right when the government is wrong? Best podcast in the universe! Adios, mofo. Dvorak.org slash N-A